Dogs of Warcry is a new podcast from the Mortal Realms, focusing on Warcry, a fast-paced, cinematic skirmish game by Games Workshop. Join us for discussions on gameplay, rules, lore, painting, terrain building, campaigns, and events. Welcome to Dogs of Warcry. In Episode 7 of Season 5, we're going to dive into the next new expansion, Nightmare Quest. And if you woke up screaming and in head sweats, you'll know why, because we're going to talk about the terrain, the new rules... The war bands found in this box and all the interesting lore and tidbits that it's dropped. Of course, we will also talk about our hobby progress and some of the games that we've had. My name is Josh and answering the call with me this week, Eric and Vint. How are you both doing? Doing great. Uh, happy to be here. Looking forward to talking about this. Uh, and uh, it's been a while. Uh, we recorded a couple weeks ago uh, for the Adepticon episode, but... And I've been itching to get back and talk to you guys about this since it dropped. So, uh, Vint, how you doing? Uh, I've been good. I've been a rare bird lately um, with work being a little crazy this season. But uh, I'm hoping to kind of be more out and about uh, coming up here soon. Um, but otherwise, doing pretty solid. Been doing a lot of hobbying all over the board. So That's awesome. Um, That's good. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> since you uh, evoked the, the idea of hobby... Why don't right. you kick off the Forge of Mithraxis? Uh, what's been on your uh, your table, to, uh, hobby table recently? So I, I know I might have mentioned it in some of the earlier episodes of uh, this season, but with the year of Zeech being a real thing, I uh, I definitely like made a bunch of trades to get more Zeech and just ended up with a ton of Zeech. Uh, so I've been cramming my way through some uh, Zangor Enlightened and Zangor Skyfires, and that's been a lot of fun uh, just to go through and build up those kits and uh, taking some of the extra bits and, you know, making them work on Zangors. So I have Zangor and Lightning on foot and Zangor and Lightning on disc. Um, and just a lot of that. That's been fun. Uh, I've also been doing uh, some 40K models um, just to kind of bust through those. I'm trying to get caught up on my backlog um, where at one point in time at the end of COVID, I didn't have a single box of unbuilt minis. And I can tell you right now that that's just not true anymore. Uh, but the, uh, I'm, I'm like cramming my way through and I'm down to probably, I would say a dozen or so boxes, which is pretty huge for mm. how big the backlog had gotten. Um, but yeah, lately it's been a lot of this, the, the Zangor Skyfires. It's very nice to go from painting Ceramite, 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 and then being able to do, you know, some, Whatever. Uh, some organic models with feathers and you know, gold and silver baubles and different things that way. So nice. I thought awesome. you were going to say from Ceramite to Sigmarite, but no, uh, <laughs> no, not yet. It is the year of Zeech. Uh, though those are the, the models I'm like holding up on. I have, I have some uh, Stormcast that I'm very excited to uh, put together and build and uh, get some reps in with on the table. Um, nice. I'm, I, you could say I'm, I'm waiting uh, to become the quester for that very thing <laughs> nice nice josh what's been on your table uh unfortunately not not a whole lot uh i've been busy with other things going on uh, friends i hadn't seen in a while so I, i've got a little bit of fallout uh, wasteland warfare that i've assembled um but uh, i haven't had a chance to get any games in recently because of lots of uh, activities with the kids but I do, you know, I'm hoping to get a game in here this next week. So that'll be fun because it's been a while since I played any Warcry. Yeah. Definitely looking forward to it. 
Well, hopefully you can, uh, uh, yeah, get some progress with these uh, this new plastic, and we're still going through our league. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, I uh, have been focusing on finishing up some past projects, so I've been doubling down on my uh, Cogfort um, encampment terrain. Uh, so I've got you know two sets of the Necromunda Underhive Market or no Underhive Stronghold. Um, gang stronghold that that i'm recommissioning as uh fantasy cog fort uh terrain and uh, i did half of it and it was a big it was a lot to do so i'm finishing up the other half and some of the bits and bobbles and um, i've got kind of final dry brushing to do and then some painting on heraldry and that sort of thing and then on to the things that i hope will make it feel more fantasy and less sci-fi which I'm thankful that the 40k stuff is very gothic. Um, yeah, it looks pretty good. I mean, uh, but yeah, painting in brighter colors, having some alternating, you know, uh, patterns um, uh, of color, you know, that sort of thing. And then I need to get, uh, I want to get big banners uh, hanging from every uh, tower that I can, because I think that'll add a lot. Um, so I've got that I've been working on. And then um, we're going to be talking about this this episode uh, because uh, as of today, uh, you can uh, pre-order or we can talk about um, the Nightmare Quest box and the contents inside. Thanks to Games Workshop, we've got an early uh, review copy. And I'm hoping that as of listening to this, I've got pictures of the terrain uh, fully painted up on uh, both our Discord and, and other places around because it's been super fantastic to build. Um, just, uh, you know, kind of been working on the, the the piece that I'm most excited for is the Realm Shaper engine. Right. Um, I've I've sort of, my, my biggest issue with that, I love that they've added these platforms to it. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But it still didn't feel like it had enough uh, space for platforms or for like variety, like four clean corners and all that kind of stuff. So I sort of busted it up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I, I took a chunk out of the top layer and added a little bit platform, uh, stone platform one layer down. I took a chunk out of one of the bottom corners and made it look like there's like, you know, uh, uh, a tomb inside or something inside that you could uh, kind of go into. But it also provides a little bit of cover if you duck into that corner you know, moving around the piece. And then a few more spots I'm digging in so that you can hook um, the la- the bridges onto so that you could uh, kind of cling on a few more places. So I'm just sort of making nice. it the full centerpiece that it could be with like six or seven different like connection points. Um, so I'm having a lot of fun with that. I'm almost done uh, as of this recording building it. Hopefully I've got it all painted up by the time this drops. So... Um, I'll have some tips for people as they're, they're building it to see, um, kind of what they could do with it. Um, oh, and then in, in addition, I guess, to, to working on the cog fort, um, I've did, f- um, uh, finished painting up some of my dwarves and their shields and all that kind of stuff from the last league. And, uh, I'll have an update on the cog ribdis coming up. So, uh, as far as games and recaps, uh, let's spend some time talking about the warbands that you guys are playing. Uh, Eric, what have you been playing lately? Well, thanks for asking. Um, uh, a few weeks back, uh, one of our local uh, league mates, uh, Ian, hosted a sort of match play, sort of open play 
what we've been calling a jank event uh, where people could bring kind of crazy lists and go over the top and see what, what's happening. And so that was a, a four um, game event. Uh, and I was able to bring my son to that. He's 10 going on 11 this summer. Um, and uh, I took a Stormcast uh, Vanguard uh, Warband with uh, four, is that right? Four uh, Raptors with uh, long strike crossbows, two of them being primes because they have a few more abilities and a few more wounds. And then um, a, oh, what is it? A, a, a Sentinel, a, a Lumineth Sentinel, which is a 90 point hero that has a ability to pick a model 20 inches away on a triple and, and everything that targets it uh, gets one plus one attack. So I was just seeing how much I could throw damage uh, 20 inches away uh, turn one until everything got in my face. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I won uh, one game. Uh, I got a major win and three uh, uh, minor losses. Um, but all of uh, that made up uh, by my son who uh, got second place with his um, gut lord and two iron guts and a whole bunch of knoblars um, just run around smashing things up. So that was a lot of fun. Um, just playing uh, fun, funky lists, uh, getting together with friends, new friends and old, um, and uh, uh, being able to just kind of throw dice and see what's up. And uh, Dan from the Salty Sea came down and was able to play with us. Um, and we had a, f- a few other people just from the area. Uh, and from there, we also found a few more people for our local league. So uh, we had at least two uh, more uh, people join for the local league, which is awesome. Yeah, it was uh, very awesome. Yeah, uh, so we got another little growth spurt. Uh, and then lastly, for our league, I've been playing Untamed Beasts uh, for the first time in 2.0. Uh, and I will say it's been fantastic reuniting with these old friends. Um, uh, the first couple of games, uh, they were kind of out of the gate Uh working like working really well tearing things up josh you and i got a game in was my third game and Mm -hmm. uh unfortunately they ended up taking me out taking me down but it was narrow victory yeah it was like there there was one model left on the table uh just uh, barely yeah they were it was like they had been waiting a long time to just tear each other up so oh yeah there's uh, a lot of reasons the biggest roadblock, biggest block there is that my uh, saber tusks cannot carry treasure. Uh, I kept missing, forgetting that, uh, the, those beasts. Um, but since then, they've been on a, a kind of, I don't know, I think I've won three out of eight games, so a little less than 50%. Uh, but we recently got a Fulmeroid Crusher, which is also a model I haven't, hadn't played with in first edition. So uh, now we're tearing stuff up again. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's I've been playing a lot of games. I'm going to be going on a little bit of cold streak with uh, Little League and stuff uh, coming up this spring. So hopefully I can still get some more games in between now and the next recording. But that's what I've been up to. Uh, Vint, how about you? Um, I've gotten to do a couple more demo games with uh, some of the the coworkers, which has been fun. Um, awesome. Not quite full converts yet, but uh, um, <laughs> there have been a few time. more that have been interested Yeah, uh, in, in trying out more. Um, which is nice. Uh, it's, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of good positives as to, you know, you can bring the, the game downtown. Um, cause where I work is, is downtown and it's, uh, hard to bring like a 40 K or a full size AOS board down to play, yeah. let alone the space to do it. Um, so it's really nice that like, you know, with a Warcry board, I can pack it all in my car and bring models for everybody. 
in, you know, a small case without having to lug, a, you know, if my full-size Citadel case or my full-size cases all the way downtown to play. Um, so that was good. Uh, I played, I played Zeech. It's, uh, I normally, when I'm doing, you know, early stuff, I normally play some Carrick Acolytes um, mm -hmm. and almost an, an entire Carrick team, and I'll bring either a Zangor team or uh, it's my way of secretly being able to get, you know, some other models of mine on the table. Like um, I did one where there were Shadow Warriors because Ninja Elves. Uh, nice. I did one where Blades of Corn and Savage Orcs. So uh, over and those, not all those in the last you know few weeks here, but in general, just a lot of those kind of games where, I bring bring some of my other non Zichi models to play, but since I'm not playing them, doesn't count. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, there there were many deaths in the lava, as there should be. Um, <laughs> so, all hail the lava! <laughs> all hail the lava! Ever hungry lava? <laughs> Man, we need more lava in our lives. Really, truthfully. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, we could uh, we could like have acid pools, you know. That's one of the twists. We could just make it a little nastier. <laughs> hey, yeah, whatever. Instant death for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and Josh, you said it already. You haven't been able to play many models or many games. Have you gotten anything in, or should we? Should we pass? No, unfortunately not. Yeah, like I said, too much family stuff, and uh, yeah, just no time. So you know, fortunately, Ben will be finishing up his school year, and will hopefully be home for most of the summer. And I can get some games in, even if I can't make a league night for some reason. That would be nice. But <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I'll definitely try and get some more league nights in. So be good. Well, uh, it sounds good because you'll have to make up for the ones that I'm going to be missing in the next couple of weeks. Perfect. So hopefully, you two can both. Uh, Get out, uh, stop working so much, stop, you know, enjoying your family so much and pay attention to this community <laughs> that we got over here that are play games and roll dice. All right. I mean, what are you doing with your lives? <laughs> right. Driving all kids around. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. It's good. Wow. All right. And with that, you know, going from childhood, parents, the visions of madness is a close next step. But we're just <laughs> <laughs> and here we're going to talk about some uh, announcements and speculation. And we, we haven't had much in the way of releases, but we did have Warhammer Fest. And they did release, uh, you know, they told us about Nightmare Quest, shared a little bit of more information about it, that it's Flesh Eater Courts and, and Stormcast. And they also shared a roadmap, which is pretty interesting, I thought. And uh, so I'll just kind of mention it a bit, and we'll, we'll probably discuss a little bit of it later when we share about our thoughts and where things are going. Right. And for summer, they, they indicated that they release a new starter set for beginners for Warcry. In autumn, they're going to release four new warbands and indicated that there would be an order versus destruction. So we don't know if that's just two of the warbands or if it's two order, two destruction. Um, over the winter, they you know we don't know if that spans... 2023-2024, there'll be two new warbands, Order versus Death. And then in spring of 2024, they indicated two new warbands to be confirmed. So we really don't know what that might entail. But it looks like they've got a great release schedule coming out. Um, we don't know you know, this, you know what, what that might look like, whether it look like the expansions that we've been getting or if it'd be something different. Um, but it's certainly good to know that they're at least supporting this for another year very heavily. What do you yeah. guys think about that? Uh, I'm super excited. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for a, a new starter set for new players because historically those have been discounted sets. 
uh, and with it's going to have the two warbands in it, probably in a core set of rules or a simplified version of the rules. Um, and it's just always a good deal. It's always so much bargain. Um, and it's so good for new players to get started. So listener, if this is your first time listening and you've stumbled across this podcast and don't play Warcry yet, your time is always right now. But if you're going to wait summer when that new <laughs> set comes out, that's going to be your time too. Right. right. Yeah, I think I'm I'm definitely excited for that starter set too, whether it's, you know, two warbands, um, you know, a uh, paper mat and some like cardboard terrain like turn the box into terrain like they do with some of the aos starter sets like that could be kind of cool um what i don't what what i don't see in here uh, certainly these are look to be like smaller releases than what we're we got this past season right it, it four, feels like it could be yeah we got four we got four large boxes with terrain uh and um you know i it, it's hard to know whether or not these boxes are going to have any terrain or whether it'll be primarily like just warband focused with maybe Fight. a new rule here, there um, maybe they'll release some independent terrain sets like in between these. And what I'm really curious about, and I think a lot of people are curious about is, are we getting, um, will we get Toma champions again? Are we getting a new compendium uh, with, you know, stuff well, that's going to think... be released over this past year? And are the white dwarf stuff that has been printed with um, Underworld's models, uh, rules and stuff, are we going to get, you know, updated Bladeborne stuff? So that's, it's not in here at all. They could certainly, you know, release something like that in any one of these. But sort of the headline is, here's all the mm -hmm. new warbands. And uh, none of them are chaos that we can tell. Yeah. Now, I think um, I have seen some articles where people, you know, other other people and and or, or cry enthusiasts um, kind of describe some of the discussion at Warhammer Fest. And I think one of the things the team said during the Q&A is that there was not going to be a Tome of Champions, that that's not on the docket at this time, yeah. which is a di little disappointing, you know, in terms of, you know, what else they might come up with in terms of like the stuff that we don't have yet. When will we see that? How will we see it? You know, those are all great questions. And this yeah. is also a good place to state that your man Eric here, put out a TikTok to kind of discuss some of the Warhammer Fest stuff. So look for the Dogs of Warcry TikTok and you might yeah. get a nice summary there. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of those ideas for this roadmap that I have a little later in this episode, but I'm gonna, I'll have covered that a bit more in my uh, TikToks uh, this past week. So um, yeah, come check them out. Yeah, excellent. And uh, with that, we'll kind of slide into the circle of paint. And uh, as, as most of our listeners know by now, Vint and I are done. And we're just kind of waiting for Eric to, you know, kind of put the finishing touches. Uh, Eric, I'm sorry, that's, at? that's fake news because we're all done. Oh, yes. All three of us are Ooh. done. Uh, so I think that means that uh, between now and the next episode, we could release photos of our monsters and start yes. that voting process if we wanted to yes that is great Does that sound like a plan it sounds like a perfect plan the time is now <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh how, the way we've how have we done that in the past we've sort of taken our photos we put them in our discord and then we post them up in a few of the war cry um places that that we know a lot of of those so-called war cry enthusiasts um mm -hmm are mm -hmm. and uh, maybe we'll even make a tiktok uh 
and uh, it would be uh, kind of each of those places, the, the people that are there would be voting. Uh, and then we pull all those results together. Um, or we could send them someplace to vote in one location, but that probably seems harder. It, it's hard yeah. to ask people to yep. click through a link and go do yep. voting someplace. Um, yeah. So typically we've done like Twitter, um, in our discord, and then I've done it on the Warheim, sorry, the Warhammer war cry Facebook group. Yep. And then we kind of asked, just ask people to vote in one place and then and it kind of collated that information. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we could probably add the, the big war cry discord channel, uh, if we wanted yeah. to as well this year. Yeah, no, definitely. That'd be a good place too. Um, cool. All right. Well, yeah. So we are ready and I'm excited to share uh, the cog rib disc with you guys in that whole, uh, revisiting the cog fort and my, you know, dwarf, um, war band. Uh, I, that's where I was like, all right, I can finally do this. Uh, and I actually ended up making some, uh, paper cogs. So I printed out some cogs and cut them out with, uh, my exacto knife and taped them onto, uh, <laughs> the cog ribdis and then used my airbrush to kind of paint around them. Nice. And cleaned it up afterwards. So it, it ended that's up pretty good. Um, some things are, it's still kind of hard to freehand the logo, um, or the icon for the, the 44. Um, but, um, it was pretty rewarding and I'm pretty happy with the results. So, Awesome. Uh, looking forward to showing it off and kicking yeah, your butts. No. I mean, in terms of what we've seen, it, it, it's definitely a splendid conversion. And it yeah. fits the army very well. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Man, we've got, uh, despite our, uh, you know, many obstacles, we've gotten some good hobby in. We've gotten some games in. Uh, and uh, uh, we've got some, some news. And now we've got uh, the... Uh, nightmare, nightmare quest here in front of us. So let's let's enter our victory condition here. In this episode, we're going to talk about uh, uh, our impressions of the new Nightmare Quest box. Uh, we've got our hands on a copy. Thank you, Games Workshop, for sending us a review copy so that we could uh, dig into it, we can read through it, and that we can have kind of our review and and, and feelings on this uh, and share them with you upon release when we're all excited about it. When we all uh, you know, thinking about, do we want to buy this or not, et cetera. Hopefully what we share here will either get you excited for what you're already excited for, clarify anything that's, um, you know, unknown, um, but just get you ready for having these new, um, uh, these new pieces, uh, in the mix, uh, for Warcry. So we're going to start, um, just kind of the big question first, uh, this, uh, waiting for the fourth box and the completion of this season. Uh, part of what we were wondering, uh, the big question is, uh, ha have we gotten to the eye of Chotek? Uh, what did you guys think? What, have we arrived there or where are we in relation to the eye of Chotek? We're closer. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we've now encountered a piece of it, a realm shaper engine. And, uh, and, and the lore even talks about, you know, some of the war bands have been trying to find these realm shaper engines on the outskirts to use them to get through this, the fortress of thorns, you know, to, to get to, to access. So that uh, we're certainly getting closer, but we're not there yet. But we finally <laughs> have some like tech that we can grab onto. <laughs> yes. How do we feel about that? I know that we were like, when we learned what the story was at the beginning of the season, you know, our feelings of four boxes, we knew we were going to get four boxes, our hope was that somewhere down the line we were going to get deep 
stuck into Chotek, the Eye of Chotek, maybe even have a new um, uh, catacombs, catacombs, yeah. you know, inside the, the ship. Uh, how are we feeling about that? We're not there yet. We've just kind of stumbled into the first set of Seraphon tech. Are we okay with that? We feeling good? I'll let Vin take uh, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm excited to see what they do. You know, if this is the final installment, right after this, if the next box is the final installment, how that's going to look and feel and how they're going to go from starting to, to wrap this up to very much wrapping this up in a big way. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious to see what they do because we, we are getting close and it does feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and I, I think it's interesting because we, you know, based on the roadmap, we, we, like you said, Eric, we really don't know is that more expansions with terrain or just warbands. So, you know, it could be that we've gotten to this pivotal moment and um, now the, for the next year, we're going to be flushing out the story more and then maybe it'll be a more climactic ending. Um, you know, as we kind of wrap up this next year or something like that, which to me, I think it's kind of nice that we're not s- slamming through everything in one year season. And maybe this is actually going to take longer to tell the story, which will actually be quite nice. I think we can get more information, more details and everything else around that. Yeah, I think it would be hard if they, if for especially for, and for Games Workshop and the writers and all that kind of stuff to try and do like every year is a new big campaign with four you know, boxes of terrain, et cetera. Um, and I think it'd also be a shame to like for everybody who's picked up this terrain or um, invested in all these boxes to then just move on to a new location, right? Yep. Um, I agree. So it lets us, if in fact there's more story to tell and that this, the the rest of this year will sort of be expanding on that through, um, you know, through more of these, these books uh, that we've yep. gotten, these warband tomes. Um, I think yeah, that's I think a good the, idea. Uh, I think one of the, the biggest surprises I had is, you know, there was so much discussion around the pattern we were seeing in terms of chaos and something else and, you know, order. And, you know, so in th- this one threw, the, threw that pattern out the window. You know, we'd had chaos warbands in each set. Um, you know, in, in this one, we were all speculating, oh, okay, it's going to be slanesh and destruction. Um, and, you know, we, we got uh, neither of those. So it was t- definitely interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, when, when we had looked at the map and seen the uh, Stormcast symbol, Drake's Rest, uh, pop mm-hmm. up, you know, we were like, well, maybe a Stormcast. And I was like, why would why would we get Stormcast? That doesn't make any sense. Because um, uh, it didn't fit that pattern. But I think you're right. The first uh, box was two uh, chaos factions and the last box was no chaos factions. And I think it is de- a deliberate transition and we see it in that roadmap that we're moving. We've got, yeah. So there's 10 in the compendium. Uh, and then however many we got, um, ca- this season, three, four, five, five, more. Yeah. So, so 15 total. So we've got 15. You've got some options if you like chaos. Yeah. We've got 15 <laughs> chaos warbands and now we're starting to introduce bespoke warbands for the other uh, grand alliances and the other uh, armies uh, from age of Sigmar. Um, and so I think, I mean, I think that's opening up doors in different ways. So I don't know. That, yeah. I'm happy with the continuation of the story that we're not there yet. And I hope that we stay in um, the Gnarlwood uh, for some more. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't we talk about some of that lore though, that we get out of uh, the, the, 
the Warband Tome Might and Madness, uh, which comes in the box. Um, uh, we want to talk a little bit about uh, kind of where their home base is. Uh, we've got, well, obviously, let's, you know, we can talk about these two um, Warbands here, but all the lore in here sort of ties to each of them. We've got um, the uh, Quester Soulsworn, and we've got, uh, we'll get into each of these more in a little bit. And then we got the Royal Beast Flayer. So we got Stormcast and we got Flesh Eaters Court. Uh, one of the first locations uh, that's been on the map for a little bit is the Fortress of Thorns. Um, Josh, what is the Fortress of Thorns? What is. Uh, well, the, the Fortress place? of Thorns is uh, not actually on the map. They've talked about it um, throughout the books, you know, in terms of as the warbands of getting closer and closer to Laxus that the, um, the Realm Shaper engines there have actually overstimulated the growth of the trees and the vines and everything. The, the forms this living perimeter, this wall, which, you know, the, all the different warbands call it something different, but it's called the Fortress of Thorns. And it essentially forms a, a perimeter wall around the main heart of Talaxis. And it uh, regenerates and it just, it's, they say it's as tall as some of the largest gnarl oaks. So it's very difficult for warbands to get through or get around to actually get to the meat of the ruin. So it seems like to be the, the biggest challenge uh, that's kind of between where our warbands are now and the fruit of our efforts. Got it. So we've uncovered sort of, the, it's like one of those things where like your, uh, the GPS doesn't work or the Google Maps has a blank spot somewhere and you're like, well, I can't see what it is. Uh, but obviously with the lack of uh, photos, we know that something is there. Um, There's something so, there, exactly. Uh, this this is suspicious. Um, <laughs> uh, that's really cool. Uh, it's, I mean, that sounds like a fantastic siege uh, opportunity, um, right? Uh, or just kind of something. Uh, who, which warband can get up the thorny wall? Um, what is that sort of like a ninja warrior? Uh, <laughs> you know, um, gladiator sort of uh, uh, activity. <laughs> right. Like American multiple warbands trying to climb vertically up uh, a board and then taking each other down and see who can get up it. Um, then we got the the thing I was thinking about, and I, I apologize, you were, you got that totally right. Was the Deadfang's Tower? Yes, uh, is this tower that's been on the map? It's outside of the Narwood. Um, and uh, Vint, you familiar with the Deadfang's Tower? You want to chat about that? The uh, Archduke. Duke Deadfang. Uh, yeah, so there's a ghoul court out here. Um, I just like that they have names like Archduke. It, it just, <laughs> the the lore that they all turned, you know, the, the flesh eater court, so it's just fun. It's just fun. Uh, the noble Archduke Dreg- Deadfang um, infests this area in the Draconith, uh, old Draconith uh, Empire. Um, and I really like the the weirdness when you think about it that they're all like the places they're living in have this Sigmar iconography from the dragons, right? So they're serpents and or the dragoneth, right? Um, where they've got all these serpents and weird things um, all over all the iconography, all over the, uh, the tower. Um, and then the, one of my favorite parts of it is the maw bite coast. Like, man, uh-huh. it, the, again, it's just fun. All of the different like names for the stuff here. Um, but this is where uh, the Archduke sends his forces out uh, into the rest of the area to venerate Nagash. Um, and I think that, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's the fortress. It's the fort for the dead fangs. 
Yeah. Yeah. For the longest time, you know, I think people thought maybe it was a vampire outpost, but then the mm-hmm. Estrogen weren't from there. And, uh, and it's nice that this one actually says, oh, no, no, it's it's where the Royal Beast Flayers are from. It's like, oh, it's Flesh Eater Cores live here. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Even in these stories, though, they do kind of say there's, uh, so the, uh, we'll get into this, like, Royal Beast Flayers are sort of, um, well, how, I'll talk about it later. They're, the Royal Beast Flayers can be at the at the mercy of a vampire lord uh, and do their bidding. But yes, in this case, the Dead Fangs Tower, um, it is just it is a place where they have set up court and they enact daily. They enact uh, in their minds uh, what a royal court would would uh, would be like, and it's just mm-hmm. hanging out here in in Gur. There's one little fun tidbit in the lore where you know in the sections where it talks more about the flesh eater courts and their madness and Usharan and everything, but it mentions that a lot of these flesh eater courts actually mimic ancient historical rites, you know, from the previous ages of Sigmar <laughs> that you don't see anywhere else anymore. So it's kind of neat that they're looking at it like this is a little slice of history. Appreciate it while you can. <laughs> Absolutely. Before no, they I eat mean, you. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's. It's infinite how much you can take these, uh, you know, crazy um, uh, cannibals and, and right. a twisted mindset and, and play with it. And it's it's it kind of lessens the, the blow a little bit that they are, you know, they eat people and they're terrible. <laughs> right. um, then I think it makes it more fun, right? <laughs> like it takes this thing that it's like they're kind of like zombies, but are they really? You know, this is this is noble, you know, noble bright if you read it from their perspective. <laughs> right. You know, these interloving uh corpse worshippers, right? <laughs> you know, kind of um Yeah. Our our next place, uh if you guys are cool moving into the gouge, yeah. uh, I'm really excited about this gouge. This is this is very orky and I just I I loved I loved this little bit. Yeah, tell us uh, about so it. So the, mm-hmm. the part the first part of, of it is uh the introduction to Grazik's gouge is an ill-judged throw of an explosive from the Hobgrot Grazik began a chain reaction that tore an earthen mound, allowing a torrent of primordial ooze to fill the reason, the region. <laughs> and then all sorts of monsters pop out and the breaker boys are just mad because they can't get a, get a hold of the monsters. They fly, flee into the Gnarlwood. Um, and it's just, uh, they'll, they'll catch people and throw them into the gouge and see if they get eaten by monsters. And then they take bets. There's a shanty town of Hobgrotts that's that's grown up around here that takes bets on how long the adventurers live. Yeah. And if it, that isn't the most like cruel boys story, <laughs> I know. man, they're just like, ah, you know what? <laughs> he screwed up, but that's fine. Look at all these monsters. Yeah, we have a swamp yeah, look at all these now. monsters we missed. Yeah, go get them yourself. <laughs> yeah, we look at <laughs> what you're doing in my swamp. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just fun. It is just fun. I uh, I like this little tidbit as far as lore goes quite a bit. Right, yeah. It's like awakened ancient reptilian creatures from their long slumber beneath the forest. You're like, oh, my God, what else is down there? You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I, I didn't realize that Gur was the place that giant monsters also take long, long naps. But I guess if that's where you're going to do it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, um, wasn't um, – uh, what's his name? The, the big uh, beast god. Kragnos. I mean, he was buried under a mountain for how long? And, true, true. You know, that's what you do with well, big monsters. You yep. just bury them underground so they can't <laughs> right, hurt anybody. Right. That's the MO. And depending on which uh, 
<laughs> one of the uh, the conspiracies of Ravenac, right, is that he's also a god a god beast that lies dormant in Gur under yeah. a well, so like here's here's the, know, the here's the other that's just what you do here here's the other um take is that Gur actually ate them right True. opened up a hole this you know a gouge like thing the big monster fell through and and Gur ate them uh you know maybe not destroyed them but they're in his gut and right uh, right you know now yeah. they finally got back out there's a lot of things that eat other things here um true <laughs> but no, this and this Grozik's gouge was one of the marks that appeared on the map uh, in the last yep. um, tome, yeah. um, and was part of the reason we thought that one of the warbands here would be a destruction warband. Um, mm-hmm. We are getting more destruction warbands in uh, the roadmap, so maybe Grozik and his crew are coming soon. That's possible. Um, Drake's rest. Now, this one uh, has. T- is related to um, uh, the Stormcast uh, and had to do with the Seraphon ha- had had a great relationship with um, Dracothian uh, and venerated him even. Uh, and so there was a this huge statue of the great Drake in the Eye of Chotak. And so when the ship crashed, this uh, statue fell out and landed somewhere um, and uh, became kind of like a beacon and sort of like a bug zapper. Um, uh, things would it, kind of the forest stopped encroaching on it and gave it a wide uh, berth. So that's where some uh, warbands of order could find rest. Uh, not for long, because um, if the forest didn't, uh, you know, insatiably want to get them, then the seraphon nearby would would take them out. Um, <laughs> it was uh, good to know. hear the Jade Obelisks were were trying to go destroy it, yeah. and the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the Quester Soul Sworn had to stop them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's a, uh, what I wonder, there's this huge statue in the middle of the, the Narwood, uh, Narwoods. I wonder who's going to want to destroy that. Oh, it's right, right. Bring down um, those idols. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately they'll have to try it another day. Uh, and there's a really cool picture of it too in there. Um, yeah. uh, it's yeah. pretty huge, like towering above the trees and birds, you know, like flocks of birds, uh, you know, uh, small compared to its giant head. So, um, that's really cool. Um, and then, uh, Josh, you want to talk about the eater pits? Yeah. So we got a little bit more detail around the eater pits, which is the ogre camp that's been there since the book is, uh, you know, since the books came out for 2.0. Um, we knew a little bit about the ogres, like throwing, um, sacrifices and food and stuff down into holes and that there were actually like maws starting to kind of form. Um, but this doesn't talk about the maws. It talks a little bit about the, um, you know, why the ogres stayed and, and how they kind of store the food. They kind of throw it down in these holes into the, uh, what do they call it? The eater pits. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, no, but uh, there's a term for the root halls, um, you know, which is where Underworlds is taking place this particular season. So they throw all this stuff down in the root halls. And um, and it you know makes this really nasty stuff that the you know that they'll use for their magic, and then eat later. But it you know the, it creates some interesting um, nexus of gluttony, the gastromatic rites. Um, but they also it says it's been known to accidentally conjure frenzied incarnates or other apparitions of gurish magic from the meat pits. So <laughs> they, they apparently consider that a appetizer to the to the main meal so <laughs> it was really yeah. fun. <laughs> like no, oh it's... entertainment great i was working up an appetite let's go <laughs> yeah no and i i always thought the eater pits were like 
the parts of, like they dig these holes and the holes to try and eat them or whatever and they're like haha mm-hmm. but no it's just where they it's basically how they build their buffet right um, uh, storehouse of yeah meat. exactly <laughs> um this would be another maybe candidate for a destruction war band uh since it comes up so much right yeah Having a, I agree. a unique ogre uh, war band um mm-hmm. uh uh, for there's a, a, a crack tooth gulch too which is more is iron jaws or something like that too so we, we mm. have good options nice yeah i think it'd be important to look at this final map that we have and uh see what else would be uh worth pulling out mm-hmm. uh as, as yeah. speculation um all right well let's centigors we're gonna get the whole centigore you team know it. absolutely calling it out the tainted time. wound is a basement you know encampment so you know it's possible it's possible Yep. Well, there's the Centigore Waste on here, oh, too. Oh, right, right. Uh, Centigore Stampedes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That'd be cool. yeah, that's what it is. Yep. <laughs> that would be cool. All right. Well, why don't we dig into uh, some of the lore of uh, the Quester Soulsworn to start with. Um, I remember the very first time uh, uh, seeing a Night Questor in the... Uh, Warhammer Quest Silver Tower board game. And uh, I remember it being so uh, interesting to me um, that I created a webcomic that uh, started off as having a a, a liberator um, who was completely incompetent uh, as a liberator uh, finally get granted uh, the role of quester just to get him out of the ranks. <laughs> <laughs> but we also have uh, stories of Hamilcar Bear Eater, who is a knight uh, castellant uh, in the Astral Templars, right? Astral Templars? Yep. Um, and uh, later became a knight questor. And we some great stories of him and his, uh, you know, uh, uh, little bit of an ego, his verbosity, uh, and, uh, you know, trampsing around the mortal realms taking on um, kind of odd jobs and, and odd quests. Um, so the the quester, the night quester is a pretty unique stormcast uh, unit and I think captures a lot of people's imagination. And here we have a whole war band of questers. Um, mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Um, what are some what's some of the lore that jumped out for you guys in terms of kind of where these guys come from, what their deal is in the Sigmar's uh, um, forces. Well, I thought it was cool you brought up uh, the original Night Quester from the the Warhammer quest box um, because they talk about going through a silver tower, right? Uh, questers might have to go through it. And I was like, that's that's pretty cool. That's a nice head tilt because, you know, a Questor might. Uh, specifically that one, uh, but, <laughs> but it was kind of neat to see that it was in there. Um, I always like when the games work together where they come out with lore that like crosses over. So be it Warhammer Quest in the Silver Tower. The other one I really liked was the Kalthia Zandire. And if you haven't put those models together, they are a, 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 a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool detail. Uh, and as far as Thunderstrike, they are like the Thunderstrike brand of Stormcast. Like they are very cool. Even for that line, that's already pretty slick. Uh, the models are neat, and you know, having a little bit more lore where they talk, you know, give a head tilt to those has been has been cool to kind of reengage with. And uh, I, they'll probably be making an appearance as soon as uh, November's over and my year of siege is done. Perfect. So I'm very excited. Nice. 
Kelthia Zandire is awesome. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the, the lore, you know, I, I'd always liked the, the knight errant aspect. It reminded me a lot of the Brentonians and, you know, um, and it hadn't, they hadn't really delved into it a lot in, in uh, the, you know, at least the material that I'd read. So I thought it was really nice to kind of read more about how they work as, an, as individuals and an organization in this particular book. And they talk about how they usually get visions or other things that kind of drive them with this purpose and that, Dracothian and, and Sigmar will send them visions. And um, and I thought it was really cool. They explained, well, yes, they're, they're usually these really, um, uh, not, not really, not powerful, it's not the word, but um, capable individuals. Uh, but at, at points in time, you know, they, they have these group visions that bring a group together to handle a greater threat. And when that happens, this lantern appears out, Sigmar just sends it down saying, hey, you've been chosen, you're going to be the prime, you're leading this group. And, um, and, you know, so it's, it's interesting how he just decides who's going to be the right person for that job. You got to make it work. <laughs> so, yeah. and, then, and then they use visions to kind of guide them on where you need to go. And uh, so that was all really fascinating, I thought, and, and, and nicely explained why all of these are heroes. You know, they're all really capable individuals coming together as a group. And they're all, you know, lending different things to the group. And they're all heroes. And, yeah. you know, how you balance that is really interesting. I like that they called out specifically that the Quester Prime is often chosen because they have some leadership skills. Yes. Uh, whereas the others may be completely sho- socially inept, uh, are used to working on their own. You know, like it is the definition of a whole bunch of lone wolves coming together. Right. That that yeah. being said, um, it, well, and I'll also put out, as I read this, um, if if anybody out there plays Soulbound, uh, you can play a knight uh Questor in Soulbound, there is that archetype, and it's it is really fun. I've I've played that a little bit, uh, and it would be pretty amazing to have uh, four different knight questors with these different roles and try and see how they get along and how they uh, mm-hmm. uh, get through a, a, a few quests. Right, uh, I think that'd right. be a lot of fun. Um, Reminds me of like you know some of those project meetings that you got at work and stuff. Where you- <laughs> <laughs> a lot of solo artists in that uh, that that band um yeah it is it can be hard to switch gears but um they have a lot of variety here uh so not only do we yeah do we have the um quester prime who is sort of the the one with leadership skills and they've got this lantern and we've seen this lantern um you know kind of motif in some other um uh um stormcast um they're also wearing uh then we've got a soul sworn Night Relictor. Uh, so we have, a, a, I think, believe there's another Night Relictor model in the range, isn't there? Well, you know, the, the one came out like in the very early Stormcast release, and I haven't really seen one since then. So I thought it was really cool that they introduced it back for this particular warband because there's they're, a, they're, and the first the magic release, users. The first release of um, the very first AOS box had the the Lord Relictor. So kind of right. like a, a Lord v- a version. I thought they'd come out with a Knight Relictor since then, but maybe that isn't the case. Oh. Yeah. I think he's in the, uh, he was in one of the special boxes. I think it was Dominion. Okay. Um, yeah. The Knight Relictor, I'm pretty sure he's in Dominion or he was re-released, but yeah, he has, he has a model. Uh, he's got a cool little um, skull sensor and he's got his big mace. Yeah, yeah. So he. D- I'm okay. trying to figure out okay. where he yeah. came from, but I think I think he's in Dominion. 
Gotcha, gotcha. He does not have the signature skull mask uh, like uh, the other relictors do. But yeah. uh, um, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, so the the relictor is sort of this um, priest uh, model can kind of direct souls, and especially um, they tell a story in here how the skies above the narrow oak, the narrow woods, was too. Um, too harsh or too hard to, to navigate. The, yeah. The, the cursed skies from the, from Bellicor. Yeah. Yeah. So they had to kind of like, uh, <laughs> they had to teleport further out and then walk in. Uh, so, you know, classic, uh, we can't go right to the source. We have to hike a little bit. Um, but that's, you know, that's just all the, the more opportunity for mini quests uh, right. along the way. <laughs> oh, that hill, go there. <laughs> uh, that beast, kill it. Because <laughs> um, uh, you got to have, you know, uh, road trip games, right? Otherwise you get bored. Um, count number of cars <laughs> uh, or cows. Um, all right. So we've got... Uh, only green <laughs> so we've got the night relic door and then we have uh errant quester which is a new position in the storm hosts um and errant questers i would I, it seems as if uh they sort of become an errant quester when they're in a group with a, a quester prime um uh and uh um these guys are kitted out with all kinds of stuff from uh a grand sword to grand hammer uh, or grand blade to grand hammer to grand spear. And then we've got uh, a duelist with twin blades. Um, what do you guys think about these uh, errant questers and grand? Yeah. Act, sorry. Yeah, no, I think they're, they're good. They've got a good range of, uh, I mean, just like all storm cast, they've got a pretty high toughness, decent strength. Um, they've got, you got a range of models with range, you know, two or three down to one, and the duelist has got some neat abilities that you can use. Uh, I thought it was kind of nice when they explained the lore. They talk about that you know the questers you know are often chosen because of certain skill sets or certain abilities, and it's like oh we need you because I need this done. You're coming with me, and you know and they're often a lot of these groups are pulled from different storm hosts just depending on need and, and ability of the individuals, which is, I thought was kind of cool. Absolutely. Um- I I think so. The the in forty k the game the Warhammer forty thousand. Uh, there's a, an army called the Death Watch um, that pulls um, Space Marines from different chapters for their different skills, so they can fight aliens, Xenos, you know, the bad guys in their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they wear their Death Watch colors, but they one of their pauldrons has their home chapter uh, color still on it. Um, it could be really cool to either uh, uh, paint, you know, and questers um, retain the colors of the chambers that they come from mm-hmm. uh, to have, you know, if you have six models, have six different chambers represented would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, or you could unify their colors and then just have one of their pauldrons kind of reflect the colors of their, their home uh, storm host. Um, but that sort of, you know, group of people from from a different all different backgrounds uh could be really cool in this mm-hmm. yeah definitely it's a good hobbying opportunity for that uh one of the unique things about the warband not I- to dig too deep into uh abilities and uh fighter cars and stuff that'll all be revealed soon um one thing to note is that every one of these fighters is a hero uh 
has the hero rune mark. And there's a special rule uh, with the Quester Soulsworn where, uh, uh, what does it say? Yep. No limit to the number of fighters with both the Quester Soulsworn and hero rune marks that can be included in the warband, including the leader. So, uh, you know, whether you have however many models you can fit into a warband uh, onto your roster, they can all be uh, leaders or heroes have the hero rune mark if they're also the quester soul sworn. So you can make any one of them your leader for your warband. Uh, it doesn't just have to be the night, uh, the quester prime, um, right. which is which is really cool. It's super flexible and super. That means yeah, super weird, which is what we like. <laughs> it's uh, different. Yeah, nobody saw that coming. No, weird is fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which uh, you know maybe makes sense that none of the abilities have the. Uh, hero rune mark as a right. requirement so yeah um because that would just be redundant um uh all right now uh anything else you guys want to talk about with the with the quester warband before we move on to the royal beast flares um i, I just wanted to touch on uh, briefly like some of the react the reaction is okay it's more like you know if a model is taken down another one can it can use a reaction to have some another model make a move or attack action, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's like, you, you can, oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to use my reaction to help someone else get closer or do something, which is uh, one we haven't seen before. So that's kind of, yeah. we, we have some where they move, um, but but it's not because you're dying. And this one specifies that if you're going to be dying, you get to use this reaction. But um, it, just in general, the the abilities, I think, for both of these warbands are quite good uh, when I was reading through them. And um, a lot of the doubles are very useful and, and, and somewhat killy. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how they actually they play on the table. And I, I think one thing that was shared on the Warhammer um, community page was that the quad is this translocation. It's a teleport ability where you can you can take a friendly fighter within three inches of the, the relictor and put him anywhere in the battlefield four inches away from an enemy figure. So this is one of the few warbands that have a, a teleport-like ability, and to have it be Stormcast, I think would be quite interesting to see how people use that. Yeah, this is... Again, I didn't think we were going to get that into the, the abilities, but this is going to be a uh, warband that can really um, move extra and hit extra. Um, get more attacks in, uh, get more movement in. They're not going to be slow. Um, so, let's jump into the royal beast flares um this uh story with the lore here um i guess just it gives us a little bit of recap of the flesh eater courts that uh their their kind of reality bending uh perceptions started in the court of usharan um who was cursed by nagasht uh and uh his bloodline uh is just uh cursed with this with this um, delusional kind of way of thinking uh, the very first uh, thought to be the very first huntsman of the flesh eater courts was Baron Gizzard not Gizzard because that would be too easy <laughs> Uh, Baron Gizzard. Uh, that's that's what it was in my head. Um, who definitely Gizzard? <laughs> who has a number of of really big kind of myths about them, whether they're true or not. Um, you know, having you know slain uh, dragons and and whatnot. Um, so uh, a lot of not only 
royal beast flayers, but even some uh, vampires and aberrant ghoul kings will draw, say that they draw their lineage from uh, Baron Gizzard. Uh, Gizzard, sorry. <laughs> uh, dang it. I said I was going to get it right every time. Stick with the bit. Um, and so he's just this uh, this other figure in the Flesh Eater court history that we have now uh, that we can kind of pull back to. And he was um, uh, the, the royal... Uh, what did you guys find interesting about kind of the general sense of the royal beast flayers as their role in the courts? Um, I mean, when it comes to... Like they 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 feel very mirrored, right? The beast flayers running around having to go find monsters and track down worthy kills, and then you know it to to see it from their eyes, right? They these are the these are their hunters, right? This is a grand hunting party, and it just it feels very strange. Again, the the weird twist of of what they are and how they work, I think, is just. It's always impressive and always strange, <laughs> and this is no yeah. different, right? Yeah. Um, I uh, I thought when I when I went through the the ghoul part, um, for me the thing that sticks out is when the iron golem is talking about how I thought there was a fight going on. I thought I I could smell it before I saw their encampment, and then I honestly thought there was a fight going on, but no, it was them celebrating their kill. And it was, it almost sounded like singing and it just like that to me, like just, it it really, it really set it all together for me. I just, um, yeah, they, they just, to them, it's, it's all just hunting beasts and hunting monsters and killing, killing evil things that they, you know, they're they're out there to hunt Mm -hmm. down. And we could say, if you just changed their name to night questors, it, it reads very similar, right. right? Like Nagash and their bear, the Archduke, the beloved Archduke has sent them forth to find their enemies and their next big kill and bring honor to their court. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it talks about them it's just very doing similar. rights and going on quests. And, you know, they think they're, you know, submersing this evil and destroying it, where in fact they're actually, you know, <laughs> corrupting these waystones, which is further leading the you know the gnarlwood in, into corruption, and but sometimes they actually kill something evil monster that, that that prevents deaths from happening down the road. But it's just mixed bag, just totally dependent on their delusion at the time whether it actually helps or hinders things around them. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was interesting that the the Gizzard was a commoner who was um, so good at what he did that he was asked by uh, Usheron to come and join him and, and all that kind of stuff. So there's this sense that most beast flayers are sort of like, uh, similarly to the questors, like they're sort of live on the fringes of their society, right? Mm-hmm. They live yep. out in the woods and they, they skin beasts and they, you know, do all this, you know, uh, they're survivalists and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, I, again, one that parallel with the questers being kind of on the outskirts, um, being a little less uh, maybe socially um, uh, desirable uh, or able to fit in, uh, but also like a little bit of they have a little bit of contempt for the <laughs> the high society flesh eater courts uh, that that prance around and pretend. Which again, in reality, they all just eat each other. Like they're they're all cannibals, uh, but <laughs> there's something a little bit different about uh, how the royal beast flayers pl- flayers 
uh, perceive uh, the rest of the court, uh, which is yeah. interesting. Or yeah, the, vice the versa, arch. that the, the court kind of looks down, can look down on the commoners sometimes. Yeah, it talks about the Archduke, you know, also because the Beast Slayers tend to have a very, <clears throat> excuse me, strong personalities and have this higher predatory sense where they always want to be hunting and they can cause problems. So the Archdukes will often, oh, I see what kind of person you are. You are now part of the Royal Beastmasters or Beast, Beast Flayers. You're going to go be a hunter and get out of town because you're causing problems. You know, so. Yeah. I mean, you know what I say, ABH, always be hunting. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I thought that was, that's interesting to show kind of like even more tiers of this society. Mm-hmm. Um, um, one of the big kind of, uh, story points in here is, uh, uh an attack, uh, by uh, the Drake Calcadrax. Um, what else I'll notice, I don't know if you guys, you know, know that there's certain like naming conventions for different things. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, a lot of the dragons in the or army, like the order, um, grand Alliance end with ath, you know, uh, um, is that right? Uh, no. What am I thinking of? Um, I wish I had this more prepared. The yes. Dracoths the yes. and the Dracophian and Dracoths. So they have Auth as a lot when you see something that's like dragon like, except for with like the chaos stuff. So like um, uh, there's Calcadrax and then there was. Um, Oh, what was oh, the big fiery? Didn't they say uh, the Calcadrax is a forest dragon or forest drake? So I don't know if that's chaos or not. But uh. well, I just so what I'm what I think. Well, the Drax to me feels very. Um, I feel like there's another of things that have been the Drax are more chaos uh, oriented things. But you might right. It might just be beast, um, uh, or like uh, destruction. Um, either way, it was just interesting that it's a dragon with the Drax ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. whatever that means uh but comes out of the forest flies over uh to the um uh to their the their tower the yeah. tower uh dreadfang dread dreadfang mm-hmm. oh, i can't even remember what we talked about three minutes ago <laughs> let's get dread it fang right tower yep, yep. dead fangs tower dead fang, sorry yeah dead fang so tower. drake uh, the Drake Caladrax came out of the forest, came over to the Dead Fangs Tower and smashed it to bits, uh, attacked uh, and uh, uh, left it in, in pieces and then flew back. And uh, um, Usheron, I'm sorry, Baron Gizard. Uh, nope, nope, not Baron. Nope. Archduke. <laughs> All right, somebody else take over the role of uh, the, the doing Archduke Dead Fang. It's in the name, guys. It's in the tower's name. <laughs> uh, Archduke Deadfang uh, um, uh, said, "Hey, I need the 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 royal beast flare uh, to go and get this." And uh, so we we follow Malobrak the Lance, uh, is the leader of of this particular stories warband. Into uh, it was tasked to him then to go into the into the Narwood and hunt down and bring back this uh the car or the carcass or the the pelt of uh calcadrax so that's quest number one um uh what did you guys think about that story or or kind of that impetus to get uh into the gnarlwood yeah so the so so magora is the vampire that leads the the particular beast flare uh 
Warband were following through, but they did. They did share. You know, it kind of reminded me of like King Arthur, right, and all of his Knights of the Round Table and different adventures that they went on. Because they talk about you know four different um, other Beast Flayer warbands that are out there and their unique adventures that they're having. Uh, it's totally the parallel I got, and I thought it was absolutely hilarious. You know, and and what they call themselves, and then it, and then it tells you. Oh, this is why, because he's carrying this giant bow and it's not really his powerful lance. You know, so this all kind of interprets their delusion into why the, why the name the way it is. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yep. The correlations. Another parallel then is when they finally get to uh, their first realm engine, a realm shaper engine, uh, they get to the top of this thing and they see this big cracked jewel in the middle of it. Um, and it's not working anymore in the same way that like the realm shaper engine should be working. And the delusion makes them believe that this is one of Calcadrax's eggs. Uh, and so now their quest, it has changed because they're questers and they, you know, everything has to be a different quest or they get sidetracked or whatever, but now it's his mission to, or her mission to find all these eggs and destroy them. Right. Um, so, <laughs> Which is awesome. I mean, because uh, we've got we've got a uh, piece of terrain here with uh, now we know it's a dragon egg in their minds, uh, and they're going to go up and try and destroy it. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah, because yeah, they uh, detected a reptilian soul because they have you know co- their uh, connection with death. They could kind of see these soul essences, so to speak. Yeah. Yep. So um, that was interesting. Another, uh, I think what initially brought them, you know, they mentioned some uh, imaginary uh, nemesis and all that kind of stuff. The warlock Zaragul, who didn't, doesn't exist at all. Right. Um, <laughs> but in the mind of this. Uh, One of the questers. The yeah. master. Uh, <laughs> it was all the re- reason enough to follow uh, towards these uh, realm shaper engines. Yeah. Um, so they talk about have? how the the Flaymasters delusions are permeated throughout the warband, so that it, you know even if it changes, everybody else starts believing it right away. So, so. Yeah, there's sort of like the curse can evolve based right. on whoever is sort of in charge or uh, uh, is is the the leader, um, mm-hmm. which is really cool because uh, then it can be whatever you want it to be in your warband. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about uh, the models in this. Uh, in this warband, uh, Vince, you want to kick it off? Uh, do you have a favorite in this warband? Um, for these ones, I you know it's hard to not love yes, the Oval right. Hounds, right? Like everybody good, everybody loves a good puppy dog, <laughs> and it's hard not to, you know, with a face like that. I I mean, I it's just it's like a baboon gorilla thing. <laughs> Uh, you know, truthfully, they, they, they can be, there's some, there's some hideous models in the, um, in the, uh, flesh eater courts list and army in general. Um, I, I have a hard time getting really inspired with a lot of, uh, that line in particular. Um, I thought the crypt ghouls look cool in this one. I think, I think they look awesome, uh, for what they are. I just, they're not quite my cup yeah. of tea. Um, I like their dragons because their dragons are big and spooky looking. Um, but the rest of the, the rest of the range, I have a hard yeah. time motivating uh, myself to get into. Uh, but they do have puppy dogs and you know, I, I love my chaos Warhounds and my chimera and 40 K for Drukari. 
and I've used dogs in just about any list I can <laughs> use them in because who doesn't <laughs> love puppies? Um, so I, I'll, I'll probably I'll, I've fallen a little bit for these guys. They're they're not so awful. <laughs> oh, uh, it's been good, guys. I really like being on the show. Please don't oh, welcome that joke. No, I, uh, I'm a little jealous. I didn't think of it. <laughs> <laughs> the lore behind the Ulfa Hounds is, is amazing. I don't know if you guys well, remember much, but go ahead with it. Yeah, there was a twist in there that I didn't expect. So yeah, if yeah. you want to re- recount it. Well, so I was talking about how the the Archduke has these menageries of creatures. You know, and it doesn't go into a lot of detail what those are, but when when other flesh eater ghouls get hungry and stray from the rules and go eat some of his menagerie, they get punished. And by doing, you know, so they get sent down to these areas where the menagerie is kept, and then they're fed all these hideous, rotten things. And over time, they start to devolve into these awful hounds. And it says it's like a combination of dog and ape and bat and something or other. And uh, they just kind of eat the disgusting scraps that none of the other flesh eaters want to eat. And then they become the guardians of the menagerie. So yeah, they're they're, they're like devolved ghouls. Which I was, yeah, I didn't I, expect that. <laughs> no, because see, here's the thing: is you have a menagerie, and so the shortest point from A to B is in their menagerie are offal hounds, right? Uh, <laughs> undead, <laughs> undead monkey beasts. But no, it was no. We have menagerie ghouls try and steal that stuff, and then they get punished and turned into offal hounds. Right. It was yes. a little bit. A little bit like, do we need that many steps uh, to the process? Uh, I do think that like uh, having some other creatures besides, um, you know, cannibalistic humans is a mm-hmm. really refreshing step for these guys. Right. Great. Um, we also get, so we have the Royal Flaymaster, who is the lead. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, this is, you know, this would be, the, you know, this is the most accomplished uh, hunter, um, they have the most pelts. They have the most respect of um, the um, the king who they serve, or the aberrant uh, ghoul king that they serve. Um, then we have uh, ghoul. Well, and, and to touch on oh, that, and yeah, for this particular war band, one of the biggest twists is that it's actually a vampire that has fallen into the curse. You know, so it's not like a regular ghoul mm. yet, but it's actually a, a vampire that's been imbued, imbued with this curse of madness that's leading this war band. Okay. So, you know, they've, they've sort of taken the curse, which is interesting because that's not necessarily something that we've learned about as a vampire falling to the curse. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and in this case, the story is uh, a woman uh, vampire who is sort of uh, on this mission. And I believe the model reflects that. Um, and then we've got uh, ghoul. So the next in command is the beast flare baron. Um, which is sort of a little bit larger of a ghoul, not quite, you know, uh, as big as um, some of the larger flesh eater court, like, you know, big hulking guys, uh, mm-hmm. but certainly bigger than regular ghouls, maybe about the size, not quite as, maybe not quite as big as the Ophal Hounds either, but mm-hmm. a little bit bigger. Um, uh, then we've got our ghoul gore squires, and then we've got our ghoul trackers. Uh, the really only difference there, maybe a little bit difference in size, but the ghoul gore trackers or sorry, squires ha- are adorned with more skeletal um, kind of uh, necklaces and kind of large jaw, jaw bones and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the ghoul trackers are just like 
have bone knives and are pierced with bones in their flesh like we're used to seeing. Um, yeah, it says trackers are the lowliest ghouls of the Peace Flayers. So they're kind yeah. of the grunts. Everybody else is a little bit more uh, accomplished and has more hit points. And, and whatnot, <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. What did you guys think of this kind of assortment of uh, fighters? Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, some of the descriptions in terms of why they're slightly different, I thought was really cool. Like for the for the barons, it says that um, that the creatures were often sacrificed, uh, the, well, the barons often sacrificed tribal guardians, totem beasts to gain their power. And it says, and, and unfortunately, the death of those tribal beasts often led to disaster for the mortals that venerated them. <laughs> so, uh-huh. you know, again, they kind of quested to defeat these evil creatures, which were actually protecting people at some point in time. But yeah. it's because they've imbued the essences of those creatures that they've gotten bigger and stronger and are now these, uh, you know, barons within this war band. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I like the addition of squires. Again, the more knightly, we've got barons and squires and uh, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff in here, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it looks like there's a lot of variety in this warband too, even though there's the, just the five fighter profiles, um, which is a little bit small for some of the bespoke, um, even for a bespoke warband. Uh, um, you know, you're going to, it seems like you'll get a lot of different models in here and there's a lot, you know, some cool stuff to choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, this does not have anything too special in terms of like convoluted where you want to have all heroes in one warband uh, like the questers do. It operates like a regular warband. Um, any of the, you know, you called out a few of the rules from the um, the questers. Is there anything here that you wanted to talk about, the reaction even? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I thought the reaction here, uh, again, it, it's a little different than what we've seen before. But this is definitely, you know, like most flesh eater courts, is a melee oriented warband, and their reaction is interesting in the sense that they they can automatically cause d three damage to anybody who disengages with them. So it's kind of I'm in melee, I want to be in melee. If you leave, I'm still going to punish you. So I thought that was kind of neat. And as as I mentioned before, a lot of their abilities are are really good. Um, they have a lot of the hunter themed abilities, you know, called feed the hounds, sound the hunt, you know, uh, unleash the hounds, pack tactics, you know, so all very thematic, I think. Um, one I thought was really uh, interesting was the pack tactics, where um, if you pick an enemy fighter that's visible and you allocate a number of damage points to that enemy fighter equal to twice the number of friendly fighters within three inches. So totally looks like the ghouls swarming on a target and you're causing extra damage and, uh, you know, kind of gives you that mindset of a pack of hunting dogs all, you know, going yeah. after that one thing. So, uh, again, I think they did a great job with the theme. And a lot of them, I think, would be quite potent when used correctly. Yeah, um, yeah. If you can, if you can get those activations off, and you can swarm something, and you know, you could be doing, you know, four to you know eight. Um, uh, just bonus you know, damage, damage just yeah. in one go. Um, and it doesn't say visible, right? So um, it would count itself. Uh, I do like. Uh, while I like the the variety here, I am a little disappointed, and I, I don't think it should have been this. I don't think that there's not a pattern here, but because they're sort of that royal hunt, like, and we have the dogs, like, why are there a no trumpets? Uh, why are the squires not blowing trumpets and saying "Hey, that away"? <laughs> uh, and two, it would be good to have like a mounted 
like have the Royal Flame Master on like a horse or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know that they're kind of uh, more of a uh, more regal in that regard. Uh, but well, but they talk about the the Crypt Flayers as being mounted ghouls. So I guess it would be hard to do uh, lore wise. Where yeah, like the Crypt Flayers think that they're riding Pegasus and that sort of stuff. Right, right. Um, yeah, I can see that. Uh, but I still think it'd be visually uh, cooler yeah. to have a, mm-hmm. a larger variety. I mean, that's sort of a story to to fit those Crypt Flayers into uh, from the old world into this one. Um, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it'd be could be time to reimagine those. You, you'd be excited to know that. One of the faction-specific artifacts uh, from, I think it's in, if you have their encampment, is a is a horn, so they can blow it for reinforcements. So you know, There we go. Okay. <laughs> I do think oh, that, I mean, I'll, I'll go out and say it. If they if they put a Pegasus Flesh Eater Court model out, I'd play Flesh Eater Courts. <laughs> but it literally has yeah. to be that yeah. specific thing. It has to be you some... You can make one. Gnarled, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, that's how i ended up with the year each, sir <laughs> uh but if they have a uh, if they have a pegasus model with like an undead pegasus with an undead knight on it in like bretonian armor i am so sold mm. i would play that army all the time <laughs> i have too many old world all friends right, that right. would love to see that <laughs> cool um all right then why don't we talk about the terrain? Um, here we've got uh, the new box comes with two trees. These two trees have been with us for every box set uh, since the beginning. Uh, in mm-hmm. Heart of Gur, they appear just as they are, one one sprue each. And then in subsequent uh, terrain sets, uh, in um, Sundered Fate, we added another platform to one of them and a canopied platform to the other. And then in um, blood hunt, uh, we've got uh, palisades kind of wrapped around uh, each of them. So it kind of was like the main, the main sprue plus some add-ons in this one, we're back to them being kind of bare bones, just the, the two trees without any add-ons, which if you know, you got heart of Gur, um, you know, you're getting kind of two of the same trees if you got any of the other ones, then you're kind of, uh, you know, you're getting those trees by themselves. For me, I got the Sundered Fate. So uh, getting these is actually kind of nice because they're just a different version of that tree. But uh, mm-hmm. it, it adds to what I currently have. Um, we'll just start there. What did you guys think about fourth box, more trees? You know, um, you know, they said we'd have enough to fill a table. I think that's true. <laughs> I think we definitely have enough to fill an Age of Sigmar mm-hmm, table. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely think there was a little disappointment in that we didn't get more, uh, you know, I have Chotec terrain, but at least we got the Realm Shaper engine. Yes. Uh, Vint, how are you feeling about more trees? I mean, trees are cool uh, for my Ewok village of Gur. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's tough because I really like the trees and I like the variety you can build the boards with them. Um, I like the the opportunity to really like flood flood the board with trees. Um, one of the things I, I saw like not too long ago was one of my friends was sending me pictures from a tournament, and people were using them as wildwoods. And I was like, "This is ah. this is substantially better than I thought it was." Like, it looks really cool, 
and they have like they had yeah. like this spooky mm-hmm. like um theme to their their dryads and their sylvanettes so it just looked pretty neat mm-hmm. um because they're creepier looking trees than like wildwoods that are like we are lush and verdant um Right. So that's kind of yeah, cool. it's like a bunch of spite army or something. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It was. It had a bunch of spites. It had a bunch of the new uh, gossamer archers too. Those things are nasty. Hmm. Um, anyway, I digress. Yeah. Uh, I think it's cool. I think they're like the nice thing with it. Um, as many trees as there are. So for folks like us who kind of get all of the boxes all the time, which is awesome, and I'm glad that we can and we generally do. The uh, we have a bazillion trees. Um, which does exactly what it's supposed to do, where I go, hey, new player, uh, you really like these trees, and you're, you're going to start playing with your significant other, you're going to start playing with your friend, your buddy, your pal, uh, but you don't have any terrain? Well, by Jove, do I have like 3,000 trees for you. So reduce, reuse, <laughs> recycle, just like the Lorax, you're going to get some trees, pal. And then they go by their box, and they're like, shoot, look at this, I have extra trees now. And now everybody's got some trees. And, you know... It, it works out okay. Uh, it might not be exactly what the card looks like, but it's okay because you've got cool trees and the terrain looks neat and the board looks cool. Um, you give them a couple of those extra bridges that you have lying around, and now they can run around from bridge to bridge like the Ewok Village. Uh, you can throw little teddy bears into lava if you put it on a catacombs board like you should. Um, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Um, all, all kidding aside, I think it's really neat. Uh, I, it's, I know there's going to be some disappointment because everybody who's bought every box is going to get this box because it's two new war bands and that's super neat. Um, but I guarantee you there's somebody looking for those trees, uh, in your play group, in your area. So, you know, do the Lorax thing, mm-hmm. reduce, reuse, recycle, uh, find a way to make them cool. Um, put your, put your, you know, put something in a tree, right? Like leave some branches on the ground that they're standing on. Right, you've killed some gnarl oaks at this point. I guarantee you, you thought about it at least. Uh, throw them on your bases <laughs> and show those show, show those angry pesky trees what's up. You know they're still using them, so why not? Right? Por qué no los dos? Um, I would agree that I think uh, looking. I appreciate your abundance mindset uh, and uh, your generosity and giving terrain to other people that are new. Uh, I think that you're absolutely right that that creates more like uh, I love converting things. So having uh, two of, of something means that I can go a little further or uh, tweak one a little bit and, and mm-hmm. make it different. And I think there's plenty of that here uh, to do. Um, Josh, I know you had, uh, you know, I think by tree number th- three with the spine underneath it, yep. uh, you decided to do something a little bit different and, and uh, um, you know, take that, fill it in with some other things and, um, whatnot. So yeah, mm-hmm. there's definitely more that we can do with these. Um, realm shaper engine. Uh, what did you guys think about the, the change to the realm engine, realm shaper engine, having a, a kit that is the, you know, it's the base realm engine, uh, realm shaper engine from the Seraphon, uh, but with some additions to give it more platforms. Oh, that, I that? think the, I don't know if the original range realm shaper engine has the crystal partly opened or not. I can't recall. No, it has a a completely enclosed top and then it has sort of like a ring of stones that are, uh, rotating and kind of floating held in by electricity. Gotcha. So this is a different top as well. Okay. That's what I thought it was, but yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. looks very like, 
used and abused this one does and uh, yeah yeah definitely looks like it's a ruin i've enjoyed i've enjoyed the aesthetic quite a bit uh i as much as i enjoyed the aesthetic of how sweet this model looks and the fact that it connects to all my other trees um I love most about it. The sweetest thing about this is you fall off on a one to three. Get your yeah. face off of my <laughs> realm shaper engine. Here it goes. This you know, is it's totally right a king of the, the mountain. Oh man, yeah. it's a king of the mountain terrain piece. It really. Yeah. Is. Everybody's fighting at the top. It's so cool. <laughs> and one to three, yes, yeah. you will fall. I will push you every time. <laughs> well, right. that and if you're, and then if you're not on a platform, if you're on the sides or the, or the stairs, you automatically fall at the end of your activation. Yeah, and yeah, and, and if you're the only one on top, you can use the ability. So it's totally a king of the mountain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was surprised that you couldn't you couldn't end your move on the stairs. I know it's like it would be yeah, hard to mm-hmm. to to set them up there. Like, uh, but um, uh, that was interesting to me too. Um, yeah, it is definitely more beat up and abused. the The gem in the middle is is a cool kind of change, mm-hmm. um, and in addition to uh, kind of being something easy to fall off of and more likely for me to shoot you off of it um, uh, from a distance, uh, you have uh, an ability called trip. It's a triple called Power Unleashed. Pick a terrain feature visible to this fighter, so no distance is too far. Mm-hmm. Allocate D6 damage points to each fighter within one inch of that terrain feature. Then allocate D6 damage to this fighter. If this fighter is a Seraphon or Hunter's Huanchi rune mark, it's a D3 damage points to that fighter who's up on top instead. Um, uh, and then, uh, and you only have to be within one inch of this whole thing, so you don't mm-hmm. even have to be up on top. Uh, and then, if this fighter is a Seraphon uh, or Hunter's Huanchi with a Priest or Mystic rune mark, do not allocate damage points to this fighter. Right. Yeah. Seraphon, get up. Channel that power, man. Looking at you, Zach. Looking at you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice pun. Exactly. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really, Josh? And and interestingly, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> currently, there is no Hunters of Hawanchi with a priest or mystic rune mark. Oh, really? Huh. Uh, but but they clarify that that but they, com- they specifically right. um, spell that out. So I don't know if in the future there will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's now, a good point. Yeah, lore wise, it's interesting because in the in the book they talk about how the realm shaper engines when they came detached were were just wildly you know changing things up and destroying things, and that skink priests went out. And sacrifice themselves into them, so their spirit is within it, which is why you know they could see this reptilian soul essence in it to control it, and then they diverted its purpose to defending the ruin. So uh, that certainly explains why the Seraphon are able to attune themselves a little bit more to them. Uh, I dare somebody uh, to uh, so to, to take <laughs> to model two, a model like <laughs> to take. Two t- realm shaper engines and uh, model them bottom to bottom, so you've got the same underneath as you do on top, and and float it above the ground, and then play on top of that. Oh, uh, you know, Mike, he's got two of them. <laughs> One thing, uh, so a few things that are different. Uh, what I think is interesting, I've seen some people model the realm shaper engine from the website inverted, uh, so that it is a, a descent, like because it has uh, texture on both sides, mm-hmm. uh, so you can switch the walls around. 
uh, oh, where I've, I've seen it to where you can make it look like it is a uh, a hole in the ground so it descends into kind of the the realm shaper and so or a, you could make it into a spawning pool or something like that oh interesting um, uh so this doesn't have that same detail the interior is is blank uh or nondescript uh so it's a little bit different um but i think so if you have the current realm shaper engine this is uh a different one and it has different cool features to it if you get this one it could still be worth getting the original realm shaper engine and doing different things with that one or adding it to the to the mix here so three realm yeah. shaper engines on the board let's go yeah yeah <laughs> everyone's just getting knocked off you're you're standing by one and and hitting everybody who's next to the other one uh it's well, yeah. kind of like the uh the storm vault terrain board right you have a few of these realm shaper engines and trees that'll feel like we're getting close to the eye of show tech yeah can you target the realm shaper engine uh, with the power unleashed ability, I would assume so. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it excludes it. Mm -hmm. So it and it, it's a pretty big piece. So if yeah. it's in the middle of the board, it's going to be hit. <laughs> a lot of people buy it. Zap. Yes. <laughs> um. Yes. So, uh, and and I think it will be a, a, a terrain rule that we will remember because it is pretty impactful. Uh, one that we often forget are the rope bridges. Uh, they have some rules where you can cut the ropes. Um, so just a, maybe a friendly reminder to check your rope bridges rules and try and cut a rope here and there <laughs> in a future game. Slit the rope, then slit their throat. <laughs> Watch them fall. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, like other uh, of these uh, warband tomes, uh, we do get um, some special tables and quests for each of the warbands. Uh, there is a uh, quest for art for greater artifacts. There's a quest for um, uh, uh, heroic traits, um, and then there's a quest for a specific like location. Uh, that encampment. Then, yes. Encampment. Uh, that provides different uh, access to different lesser artifacts. Um, you know, we don't have time to go over all of those in detail here um, for both of these. There's anything that jumped out to you guys uh, from any of these um, that you just want to take a minute and call out or half yeah. a minute? Yeah, I've got, I had a few. Um, but well, first of all, I thought, you know, in terms of like all of them, especially the newer books, have the mechanics they introduce in terms of completing how you complete the quest are very interesting. And I think they did a really good job with this where the, 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 the quester, um, the, the, the stormcast questers um, have its vision mechanic for how you complete your quest. You have to go through three or four visions and then you complete the quest. I thought that was awesome. Mm. But um, I, I found, an, you know, I kind of tried to pick out artifacts from each, you know, just looked at them all. And most of the artifacts for both factions are once per battle, which I thought was a, a, a interesting change that there's so many were once per battle. Um, but, there's one for the for the Stormcast, which is called Blade of the High Star, and I, I swear there's got to be an error or something because you know the there are I think there are six or eight artifacts, and this is the only one that's not once per battle. But it says you get plus five damage per melee attack action, which hits or crits. So you know that means every time you have a melee attack action, you're automatically adding five damage on top of that. And, and I feel that's it's probably not, not it's not. 
for every hit or critical hit, though. No, no, no. It's every melee attack action. Right. So, so yeah, you, you attack twice, action. that's 10 extra damage, though. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which, you know, as long as you hit or crit. Yep. That, it just seems like it might be a bit much, but we'll have to wait <laughs> and see. And then the, the Flesh Eater Courts had a, a, an interesting one that was also not once per battle called Knight of the Purity, heroic trait. And, uh, you know, they have these all these knightly traits, which I thought was really cool. Again, thematically, they did a wonderful knight job. Knight of Justice, Knight of Chivalry, yeah. Knight of the Sword. Yeah, and, and in the encampments, Virtues. the artifacts there, if you read the descriptions, it is absolutely hilarious, where it has this wonderful name, and then underneath it, it says, this is just a really pointy rib cage. Absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Definitely have to read through those, <laughs> but 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 for this particular knight of purity, um, you know the this knight causes D three damage to each enemy model within three inches of the model at the end of the battle round automatically. Again, you know just so that's at least you're looking at four turns probably. You know you're dishing out D three damage to everybody within three inches of that model. So <laughs> just like wow, these are some pretty powerful heroic traits. Mm. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> Nice thing about those is they're often either consumable or perishable. So, well, no, uh, these are heroic traits. Oh, trait! I thought you were back on the encampment. Sorry. No, no, yeah, these are all heroic traits. So it's like, yeah, it's there. <laughs> yeah the 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 ability to kind of like um, area of effect is strong. Yes. with the royal beast yeah. players exactly, uh, which exactly. I think is pretty unique. Um, mm-hmm. um, but but again, cool. the themes were spot on. Yeah. Beautifully done. Uh, for instance, um, Squishy Orb of Wisdom uh, yes. is the name, and uh, yes. the italics is an eyeball plucked from the skull of a Volchark can yes. grant great wisdom to those insane enough to devour it. Um, so, yeah. yeah. They're all uh, they're all really well described. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Vin, did anything stand out for you, or is there anything that uh, you want us to, to dig a little deeper into? No, I mean, I, I think you guys hit all the ones that I really liked. The uh, the visions for the Stormcast are really, really cool. Um, and uh, that, that felt very quester to me. Uh, and, you know, this is coming out when, uh, the week, uh, one of the weeks that the Neve Black Talon uh, animation for Warhammer Plus has been coming out. And, man, like, mm. talk about, like, some fuel. I'll watch, like, a Neve episode and then think about what my, my questor is hypothetically at the end of the year of Zeech we'll be doing and I'm just very excited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think the they did a really good job with these models where I think somebody else commented on it, you know, when they saw the Warhammer quest uh, or War, Warhammer Fest uh reveals that you know they did make them um slimmer, I guess, than the original Stormcast. So they kind of look more normal-ish and less bulky and you know so i thought they did a really good job in terms of design and theme so i'm I'm definitely you know i haven't been one really keen on playing stormcast but i would definitely love to play this warband so yeah it's more like the dominion uh the new yeah the thunderstrike uh, armor yeah they're all thunderstrike armor is the big thing right so they're all they all should look Mm -hmm. thinner and slimmer because they they've got places to go when they die Got to get past yeah. that, that. Those cloudy skies, man, is a lightning bolt. Yeah, yeah. You need <laughs> those clear skies to get home safe these days. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Then uh, we have two campaign arcs uh, mm-hmm. in the book. Uh, we've got uh, Storm of Madness. Um, and then we've got, and that is kind of the specific one between uh, the. 
uh, Soulsworn Questors and the Royal Flame uh, Beast Flayers. Yep. Um, so the back and forth, and uh, there's a, a number of there's six different um, uh, battle plans, and depending on who wins the you know you play the first one, and depending on who wins the Storm of Madness goes, you either go to the Heaven's Ascendant or the Insanity Resurgent, um, and uh, if you win, you know if you uh, keep going, then you you get to the end, and you're either telling. Uh, one of three endings. Uh, so similar to how our branching quests are uh, mm-hmm. for, um, for Adepticon uh, there's, you know, you kind of are making a choice based on who won the battle uh, of where you go next. Um, uh, and then the other campaign arc is the realm shaper wars. Um, and this one is sort of um, uh, for four to six players. So if you're running a league, it could be really good for uh, a group there. Um, and it has um, a few battle plans and uh, some uh, special rewards and uh, special aftermath stuff. Um, so you can check that out. That one's not quite as in-depth, and I haven't read through that one all the way. Is there anything yeah. between this this one you want to add or the other campaign arc you want to add, uh, Josh or Vint? Yeah, so so this one is it's much like you know like every book we've gotten one campaign arc that's specific for the two warbands and then one that's more multiplayer based and uh, and this is exactly the same. Um, you have two teams. You have the Wanderers and the Insane. Uh, the Insane is the name of the team. Um, and the it's interesting because this one adds a mechanic where the Insane are trying to destroy the Realm Shaper engine. Um, to take themselves to paradise. They're going to use it to get to paradise. And the wanderers want to use it to create, um, you know, to recreate a lost realm or make a realm where they can be the masters of it. And so they all want to use it for their own purpose. Hmm. Um, and it, it's interesting in the sense that um, the, you know, how the leaders are chosen for each one is slightly different. But the wanderers get to add a 100 point model in their army from one of the other people in their alliance. And uh, but you know there's lots of restrictions. It can't c- carry treasure. It can't control objectives. Um, it doesn't you know it doesn't count towards model count in terms of killing. But you just get this extra hundred point model that you know you essentially your ally has agreed to lend you somebody, but you know they're still not sure who you are. You know they want to help a little bit, but not too much. Okay. But uh, in the insane don't really get a bonus like that. But they have this. Um, it, maybe it's detrimental or not. It's hard to tell. But whenever the, the person that's insane um, sets their ability dice and initiative dice before the game actually starts, they have to roll a die to change the value of their ability dice. So if you had a double twos, they, they could become double fours or you know whatever, because they're insane that it, their ability dice are, are fluctuating. Hmm. So, but yeah, so I thought that was an interesting mechanic that's slightly different than what they've done in the previous ones. Yeah. So you know not you know yeah i like this idea of defending the the terrain piece that we have in the box and being mm-hmm. able to play a bunch of uh uh games with uh within the league and it's gonna be really cool yeah i agree I, i'm glad they keep adding these these interesting multiplayer aspects where you play yeah. as teams kind of like we did for our Adepticon event you get these two sides and then there's this big multiplayer clash you know where you so Definitely, yeah. I think we should definitely try to try and get some of these done in our in our leagues. It'd be fun, absolutely. Uh, and I think, I mean, I think it's a good point to make in that this season we haven't had uh, the Tome of Champions, which sort of evolved over the last few years uh, uh, in season one. Um, 
but these uh, warband tomes have provided quite a bit of, you know, some of the same kind of nourishment, uh, narrative yeah. nourishment that those Tome of Champions used to. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, thankfully, you know, though they, they come in the box as sort of like a value add, um, you know, they come out pretty quickly after that so that anybody can pick them up. Um, I think they sort of get overshadowed by the box set that they're a part of. Um, yeah. But there's a there's a ton of content inside of these that's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, especially like the Siege stuff where we haven't taken full advantage of, you know, that mm-hmm. unique uh, stuff that they've added in the last book. Yeah. So we got more to dig through there. Uh, and uh, that could be... That'll be fun content, uh, especially if in the next season we are primarily getting, if we're not getting many new kind of like narrative books, um, maybe we'll get war tomes for each of the releases of, of um, you know, if, if we're getting four new war bands, we can talk about this in a minute, but maybe if we're getting, as we're getting war, new war bands, maybe they're coming in pairs and maybe they're coming with a tome. Who knows? Um, mm-hmm. But that could be something. Um Anything else you want to share about this book before maybe we freeform, uh, go a little freestyle on some of uh, you know what we've gotten here and and uh, maybe what we see coming in the future? Oh, I think that's a good segue into the freeform discussion. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I think we're ready. Let's let's mix it up. <sighs> all right. right. Um, so a couple of things I'm excited to talk about. I want to talk about this roadmap a little bit. Um, I think there's room to to uh, just about you know, what, besides what is there in terms of what uh, war bands are coming out, maybe which war bands are in those could be great cop- topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. What other supplements or books or things we might uh, expect to see. And then I have kind of a big uh, Hail Mary of where I think this is taking where, where war cry is going to go in maybe the next two years. You, sh- um, you should just start this off. Go for it, Eric. Should I start this off? You All should right. start yeah, this you're off. You're already there, buddy. We're there. Yeah. All Do right. It. So I, I, I mentioned this a little bit and I think there's more to get, go through, but um, so what we've seen in, uh, in this season is we started off, like we said, with two chaos war bands um, for the first release. And then we went one chaos war band and, uh, and order and then another chaos warband and death and then this last one we thought you know we're gonna get cora uh chaos and destruction but they flipped it and we're get we got uh an order and death so we're moving away from chaos um and uh you know we've gotten seraphon we've gotten stormcast now we've gotten uh vampire courts and we've gotten a uh, flesh eater court um and um now we're we're looking at uh, the summer and we're going to, or in the fall, we're going to get to order and to destruction. And then we're going to get another order and death and no chaos. To me, it feels like the next steps are to build or to, to release bespoke war bands for all of the factions of age of Sigmar. Um, We won't get there with just, what they say four, five, six, seven, eight more. Like there's more factions than there are war bands announced for release, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but um, if we're not releasing, I think there's an, a push to get war bands for all of the factions of AOS and perhaps phase out the compendium or as extensive a compendium with every fighter in age of Sigmar. 
um, and perhaps pull us back towards war cry that's just bespoke uh, now that we would, you know, when we eventually have a war ban for every faction in Age of Sigmar. What do you guys think about that? Interesting. Uh, I guess for me, the, the hot take is that, like, I'm watching what's happening with Kill Team. And with the Kill Team war bans, right? Because you, you have options to play very similar. They're similar games in their own way. But with Kill Team, you have these units that are amazing to play because of their versatility and their toolboxiness um, that are the bespoke teams. And to play those into like a generic compendium team, those teams absolutely will trash can, in most cases, the the random compendium teams just because they have so many more options. So a good player, uh, some of the good players I've seen play Kill Team will play the bespoke and just be monsters with them because they have so many good options. Uh, and I feel like that might be the way that that's going. Is Age of Sigmar has plenty of options. Um, however, comma, you have these options that are just better with bespoke bands um, and the, the different options you have there. I know this last time it felt with Warcry when they did the compendium there that because you had leader abilities and your your group abilities, um, it felt like the bespoke bands weren't quite as awesome in some ways, right? Because you only have right. so many right. abilities. Um, so my my hope is that, you know, after this, this season or towards the end of the season, we can see more of those where we have, you know, the two columns of abilities for our non-bespoke stuff. Um, now that we've got everybody roped into our war cry, now we can get them to start playing bespoke bands. <laughs> but I don't think they'll ever get away fully from a compendium. Uh, for that very reason is because it's just a good way to be like, hey, you have Age of Sigmar stuff, but we only have an hour to play. Uh, there's no way we can get done with a 2,000-point game. However, we could try this Warcry thing out. Why don't you come over and do that? Or, hey, I only have like 100 bucks to spend this year or this month or something on, on some minis, and I want to get a lot of games in. Well, how would I do that in Age of Sigmar when I can do it for sure for Warcry? Uh, I just feel like the 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 ability to to play quick, hot, fast, and inexpensively in Warcry is just so good, um, and I don't think they would ever take that away. So I don't think they're going away from compendiums. However, I do think they're going to ramp up a lot of the bespoke bands, so they're just really good hmm, and hard nice. to say yeah. no to. All right, definitely a good judge on that. Uh, I guess one thing uh, before I kind of delve into that, I was I was curious about, and you know, I haven't seen much of the warhammer fest reveal you know videos and whatever else but you know they say autumn four new war bands order versus destruction do they actually say that all four of those war bands were going to be order and destruction or just maybe two of them you know so that's, that's what i'm kind of curious about too is that we'll, we'll we'll see what that mix is when it actually comes out yeah it's it's hard to know if there's a silent chaos in there um but if we're just going yeah. on face value Right, um, because it just would, says order versus destruction. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. And there's, uh, yeah, yeah, there's, there's like we talked about ogres uh, mm -hmm. being highlighted mm -hmm. very often in this, yeah. and we talked about the cruel boys um, as well, mm -hmm. uh, getting stories in this, uh, in this particular battle or warband right. tome. So, uh, prying yeah, candidates. No, I, 
I, I definitely think, uh, you know, that's that's definitely an interesting perspective, you know, in terms of, the, you know, especially when you correlate the kill team trends with, with this trends. And I, I kind of lean with Vint in terms of I think it would be a mistake to completely get rid of the compendium just because it is so easy for people to get in that way. But um, but I think, like, you know, for example, the, the Sequester Warband for Stormcast, I find much more appealing than any of the previous Stormcast options. So I think... Mm if they continue to have unique themes and abilities and groups yeah. that um, people will, you know, as, as Vant was saying, will maybe lean more to the Bestowed Warbands anyway, yeah. um, just because you get some interesting combinations of models that you don't necessarily get otherwise. Yeah. No, I think, um, yeah, this, especially when they're doing the narrative pieces with such flavor, yeah. that's pretty cool. So what yeah. I'm hearing is they may not, uh, do away with the compendium, but they might make the bespoke warbands more appealing uh, through through these things. Now, mm -hmm. I tend to think I think what we see is that now, like even in this resurgence of Warcry, most people that go to events and most people that play are playing with either what they have, right? So if they have um, Seraphon, then they're going to play a Seraphon uh, warband in Warcry. Um, if they have um, uh, let's say corn uh, demons, then they're going to play corn demons in Warcry. Uh, but mm -hmm. it's a that's so. I hear what you're saying in terms of like old players are going to be able to play with what they have, and that's a, a way to enter into Warcry is being able to play with what you have. But that is a because they're often seen as being a stronger the compendium stuff a little bit stronger than the bespoke stuff. I think that makes for a uh, it's a it's a bad entry for new players to have the compendium. Like it's not it's not really that easy to obtain um, a new or compendium warband and and be competitive unless you're spending quite a bit. So I think the barrier is so high there. Um, uh, so I think that I I do like the idea that uh, could compromise on the emphasizing bespoke and making bespoke just the easiest way to get in, um, so that compendium sort of fades. And maybe doesn't fully go away or doesn't become a um, non-option. However, uh, I think there might be a lot of work in printing another compendium with all the new stuff in it or keeping up with that uh, compared to you know adding all of just the bespoke warbands and having to keep up with updating their rules or updating their numbers or their mm -hmm. um, you know points or their stats or their fighter. Uh, you know, you could see some of the first. Uh, maybe not Iron Golems because they're doing pretty good, but you know, Untamed Beasts or <laughs> right. um, you know the um, Corvus Cabal getting updated fire fighter cards as they balance them to the other uh, bespokes. Um, but I think it'll be harder and harder to keep up with balancing all of the um, the Compendium stuff throughout all of Age of Sigmar. I think that might be tough to keep up with. Yeah, I think it's true. Anyway, um, taking a minute to think about, uh, so we just talked about Autumn being four new warbands. Uh, well, let's talk about the starter set real quick. What do you guys think the uh, a starter set that's for new players looks like? Any thoughts there? It's probably got Stormcast in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I disagree. I think it's going to have, I think it's going to have, two chaos warbands i think it's going to be like iron golems untamed beasts or something like that uh mm -hmm. where it's two bespoke warbands um that are do we think they'll be new together. 
No, I think they'll be old. Uh, Something like maybe like Spire Tyrants and Chaos Legionnaires or, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that hasn't made it into a starter box yet. Cypher Lords and... Um, yeah. Cypher Lords is in a box. But yeah, it's hard box. to pick, right? Yeah. Or the... Or the, yeah. Or the yeah, the um, Legionnaires. Yeah, Legionnaires were in a box. been in a box. Yeah, Spire Tyrants. So, yeah. anytime we get yeah. a new box, so right now we're getting uh, the Nightmare Quest. We are getting the Warbands from the previous box released separately. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. So, I could I could see, you know, these the Questors and the the Beast Flayers being in a starter box. That could be interesting. I don't know if Flesh Eater Court's the best. Like introductory like visual (laughs) for a starter box maybe it is maybe it isn't uh right you know uh but the i think the stormcast could be um uh i'm a little i'll just reverse i'm a little disappointed that the stormcast aren't are just like walking statues in their sculpts as opposed to being more uh, (laughs) i think i think vin you had said that too um uh but um so what else do you think that there'd be any sort of terrain, uh, cardboard terrain, or like the box itself can be terrain? Yeah, no, I mean they didn't they didn't really flesh that out at all, um, you know. So it's really hard to tell if we actually have a new season similar to this, or like you said, just warbands. Yeah. And you know, maybe they'll have the oh, alongside this, we're going to introduce this one or two pieces of unique terrain and, you know, that goes yeah. along with this narrative pack or something. Yeah. It's yeah. really, it's going to be interesting to see. And I'm not familiar enough with the kill team sets to know, you know, th- those have all been box sets as far as I'm aware of. You know, so mm-hmm. how they do that, I'm no, not sure. They, they, they're doing the same thing we're getting uh, right now, yep. too. Um, but they, so for their starter box, they just launched the core box. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like the starter box, so maybe we get Wan Chi and uh, Jade Obelisk in there, right? Or the 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 season launch box is what Kill Team had. Uh, so it was the Kriegsmen and the Orcs, but there was no terrain. It was just the book and then like a board to play on, and then okay. uh, that was it. And so it was like figure out your own terrain. Use you know here's the box that goes along with it if you want terrain. Otherwise play around on this table. There might have been like some small like barricades or something you could use. But it was all first level ground floor. Here's the board, here's the stuff. And then they launched like you guys said, like a it wasn't even unique terrain. It was the terrain from the core box you could buy separate. But you right. could also get, you know, any of the other terrain boxes that were out, right? So they could get mm-hmm. your you know, you can get your um your slew from Red Harvest as well as, you know, your your Wan Chi and Jade Obelisk. So, okay, so maybe they'll have offer the tree, like at least a. I mean, they already have a reduced set of the trees available theoretically, if it's still for sale. Yeah, that you could just. You're going to get two trees. They're going to have a rope <laughs> <Yeah>. bridge. <laughs> we know which two. A set, yeah, a set of, a set of scattered. Um, yeah, I think they may have that as like an evergreen set. You know, going in, maybe you can't evergreen. get. Uh, there you go. Maybe you can't get. All the, or maybe they'll release, and they did this uh, with all the past sets where, you know, like the um, Red Harvest terrain yeah. got separated into two sets right, that were smaller right. price point that you could pick up. But those, I don't know how long those are going to stick around. Uh, they'll, you know, before they come out with more stuff. Right. Um, so 
yeah, they may have the, you know, this roadmap is not like the end all be all, all of all the, the skews that they may create and Mm -hmm. sell during this time Mm -hmm. period, but what form they'll come in or if they're going to come in group, you know, a big set like we have, we don't know. And I think the most important thing is it says, Hey, we've got a year of support planned for this game. Yeah. You know, and we're still working it out, but here are some tidbits. And I think that's, you know, that's definitely the most awesome part. Yep. Um, The right now, the kill team starter set is, what is it? Orcs. And Kriegsman. Uh, Yeah. The, yeah. The, the Kree or the, Kriegs, Kriegs, Kriegs. There it is. The veteran um, guardsman. <laughs> so, and it, it's a hundred bucks. It's got and it's got a paper board and it's got rulers and stuff. And then it's got scattered terrain. Um, not so much platforms and stuff, but that may work better for kill team than it does for Warcry. So, maybe they'll no. Have it's something. it's more platform driven. It's oh, okay. it's a very so, terrain heavy game. Yeah. So, yeah, so like, it, but I, that's what I was kind of saying is like first floor terrain scatter stuff. Yeah. Um, so there's something on your board, but not anything like big. So probably two yeah. trees and some scatter. Like so so like, like the newest release of Kill Team is supposed to have the you know, the, uh, squats <laughs> for less than better words, and yep. um and uh, and Beast another warband or team in yep. there. But they're they're using they're still using the um like derelict ship terrain right all the walls doors and everything else like that that's yeah, been the, boarding the last several terrain. yeah exactly the boarding action terrain. three i think that was two or three okay yeah so but it wasn't in the starter set it just came in the latter what two or three sets right yep so no yeah. realm shaper engine in our starter set right 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 <laughs> but, but you know but for three of the box sets they've had i think it's the same or very similar terrain yeah yeah uh, it's meant to all be played as addition to your boarding action stuff mm-hmm. because boarding actions fit really well with your kill team. Right. It's like right. the next logical step is into a boarding action. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have all this really fancy terrain that does really cool stuff. So it's really hard not to just want to play kill team with all the cool little terrain bits and bobs. Like they right. have uh, the new one is going to launch a meta case. So if your fighter's next to it, you can just to heal, heal them to like use an action to heal a bunch of damage yeah. and he's good to go again. Uh, or he like doesn't die or something weird. I don't remember. There's, mm-hmm. but there's like there the other one. There was like computers, so you could like, you know, shut down a hallway so they couldn't get out. Um, so it was just like really neat stuff um, to go <laughs> through and do. So I, I don't know. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. So so where I'm kind of going with that is, you know, they kind of carried this set throughout several expansions of Kill Team or, you know, box sets, mm-hmm. adding little tweaks and whatever, you know, kind of much, you know, very similar to what we've gotten with the Heart of Gur expansions. But if they're, um, you know, so what if they do something similar, but now we're in Telaxis, right? You know, so it's, we've got the walls and barriers and we've got traps. They continue to add the warbands and we expand upon that. So maybe we'll get some terrain. Maybe we'll be in Telaxis for this next season. Yeah. And they'll do yeah. something similar like that. That could be cool. That'd be cool. Absolutely. A whole season of catacombs. Sign me up twice, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, we got catacombs in an, in this in the second year of the the first season, so mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. there's definitely room for them to 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 twist it and change it and do some different things. So that's pretty yeah, cool. yeah. Or you can do half and half. You, know, you got half the board is trees, half is the ruins, and you know, yeah. Um, so, what do we think um, about the specific warbands? What would be if uh, we what did we say? We've got um, 
four new warbands that are well we got four new warbands six new warbands a combination of order destruction and death uh so six warbands that are a combination of order destruction and death mm-hmm. first of all death where else could we go uh obr uh skeleton focus um yeah, I mean, we haven't, you know, if you're if you're talking about moving away from Compendium, we don't have like Warcry specific Night Haunt or OBR uh, warbands yet, right? Yep. Yeah, we we did just this last year get specific Vampire and Flesh Eater courts, but yeah, yep. those are the other two obvious uh, options to go. Where would you like them to go? Where would you prefer a, a new OBR? I, you know, or I, I would Night still Haunt? love. To have a, uh, for lack of a better way to phrase it, good aligned death faction. You know, if you want to call it a Cities of Sigmar death faction, you know, that'd be awesome. Or, you know, something, or, or a, a group of humans that have ancestor worship and, and commingle with Night Haunt or vampires or whatever else. I think that would be a really interesting, uh, you know, faction to, yeah. to play. You know, and you can do it on a small scale in Warcry. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping how, for like an Inquisitor or Witch Hunter team. Oh yeah, one of those order read my mind. You know, I definitely That'd think super cool. the autumn release is. You know, they've said that the the, the new Cities of Sigmar stuff is coming out this summer, right? So that yep. I'm sure they're going to have a Warcry Warband that's related to whatever new models they've got coming out. They have to. I think Witch Hunters would be a perfect spinoff of that. Like, right? You know, they're going to have the the knights and the um, and the warriors and stuff of cities of Sigmar, uh, or whatever, like whatever those are, they're not going to make duplicates of those in Warcry, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Huanchi are sort of, uh, a, are the chameleon skinks, right? Which then the mm-hmm. Seraphon release, they didn't release Ser- uh, chameleon skinks as one of their, um, units, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because the Huanchi sort of fill that role. So, We've got a couple of witch hunters, um, the Van Densed uh, models in Cities of Sigmar. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the Hexbane's Curse in... Right. And um, we don't have rules for them yet. So. No, we don't have rules for them yet. And, and this may be why. Maybe they're going to have it released later with the Cities of Sigmar stuff. Right. So I think I think that could be spot on uh, to have a, a witch hunters or a demon hunters or a whatever hunters um, kind of... Uh, faction for order of azir we'll frame it that there way. you go there you go um or warrior nuns um you know like we used to have the sisters of battle type of thing mm-hmm. or sisters, of sigma. sisters yep. of sigma right yep. right well, um, what are some other order? anything else in order if if there's let's say let's say there's three order war bands between now and winter um We've got cities of Sigmar, or you know, hunt, you know that sort of thing. What else would you like to see? Um, mm. New uh, Sylvaneth, something in yeah, Sylvaneth, Sylvaneth team. Cool. Yeah. Yep. That would that would be Sylvaneth interesting. Would be neat. There are a couple of you know. I mean, the the KO have a crazy ton of options. They don't have a Warcry specific warband, but I think they've got lots of options to already work with. Um, there, are, there are a bunch of interesting, you know, of the main cities of Sigmar things that are out there, like the Phoenicium. You know, it's like mm-hmm. okay, well, it would be kind of cool to have something unique. Okay, let's get a Phoenicium warband with some of those elves in there, right? You know, yeah. nothing that's 
part of the realm of light. It's still part of cities of Sigmar, but they're elves. You know, let's get a little mix in there with some, or even more of the, of the, you know, the, forgetting the name, the pirate elves that we yeah. have, you know, maybe miss. No, Scourge Privateers. Those would be neat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the other one is the, uh, right, Free Guild. I think we'll get a Free right. Guild team too. Yeah. Mm. Well, we kind of have the Free Guild. Oh, maybe not. I guess, you know, the cities of Sigmar are kind of a little different. Yeah. Yeah. I think that if we find ourselves getting a KO Warcry Warband, again, K- the Kredron Overlords in the Compendium are one of the stronger uh, factions. And I could definitely, you know, like for them to create a Warcry Bespoke Warband for them, to me would be a strong signal that they would prefer you to like mm-hmm. push people towards the Warband over yeah. the Compendium. Um, but uh, that could be cool. Um uh, to destruction, I think ogres and cruel boys would be my first pick or obvious pick. It only because they've been in the lore uh, here more more so than iron jaws or uh-huh. gets. But yeah. but gets are always cool. And, you know, or, or if they go like full hobgrot, that'd be interesting. Oh, yeah, a whole hobgrot. Uh, war right, band. you know, it's like yeah. a bridging point to the chaos dwarves. You know, they, they one of out. the ones they mention in there is a uh, one of their hobgrots throwing explosives in to blow right. up that uh, thing. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think we could have some alchemical uh, hobgrots, uh, which uh, our buddy Will would enjoy <laughs> very much. Um, yeah, um, and then I mean, moving away from just moving away from this particular, um. And of course, the Spider uh, Fang. I forgot we got them now. Oh. of that. Yeah, Spider Fang Grats. Yeah, they've got the the spite yep. spider web place. Yeah, exactly. And and how, got the I mean, how cool would be, town? Yeah. Uh, how cool would it be for them to release uh, a Spider Rider Warband here mm-hmm. um, and supplement the old Spider Riders for you know gits and stuff? Yeah, or introduce those. Um, and, you know, as we were talking about Silver Tower earlier, we had those, like, spider grot things. I can't yep. remember what they're actually the called. Scuddlers? Yes, thank you. You can make a warband around Scuddlers. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, anything else? I mean, if beyond this roadmap, um, we've had a new uh, season. We've just kind of wrapped it up with the fourth box. We're going into a new year. What are some things that you guys would love to see um, that – Maybe there's nothing pointing towards it. There doesn't have to be any pattern here. What's something else that you'd love to to, to see manifest or or um, come into existence? Well, there's these two trees that I've seen in some of our kits, and I really think that like maybe <laughs> those trees in another hmm. set. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> ignore the uh, I think it'd be cool to actually ignore the patterns. Uh, new savage orcs or new Ardboy models. I mean, I know they haven't been in the lore a ton, mm-hmm. but why not put them in here, right? Like the art boys are like incredibly static. The the savage orcs, cool models, incredibly static. So like, I yeah. think having models that that could be a little more dynamic. Um, I also think it'd be neat if there were some cavalry that came soon, right? We have beasts, we have infantry, but there's like there are cavalry models we can put in there, which are wild. I think it'd be neat to have some kind of cavalry, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know what, what that warband would look like or what the cavalry would be, but I think it'd be neat to have if that's Spider Fang or something that way. 
just mm-hmm. to add another layer of a bespoke something. Right? Yeah, well, in the spider thing, you know, the spiders can climb, so you wouldn't have that disadvantage of normal cavalry either. Yeah. Um, um, if, if, I'm, if I'm... Oh, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, if we're, if we're going off the path here, okay. Um, <laughs> some of the <laughs> some of the ideas I had were, you know, you know, the Kurnathi, you know, would be fun to explore in Warcry. Mm-hmm. You know, they were in Underworlds, and, and we really heard nothing else about them. That'd be kind of cool to expand mm-hmm. on as a Sylvaneth option, you know. Um, the Beastmen, you know, in terms of Warhammer 40k, they're getting this really cool Beastmen kill team. You know, and I was like, oh, it would be so cool to have these models in Warcry, you know, if they introduced it as one of the Chaos Warbands for the Gnarlwood, because we have the the you know the one point which is a beastman camp in the Narwood. It takes some of these really dynamic beastman models they have and give us a new warband for that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe theme it to the the special god that they're worshiping, or maybe make it more where focused because of all these people are changing into where beasts. You know, that would be a really great option too. Yeah, remember when uh, 40k got all of those um, the Zinch. Um, Name Zangors. Zangors, and we we're like, "Oh, would that be yeah. cool for Age of Sigmar?" Because we got them in Silver Tower, didn't we? Yeah. Um, yep. And then they're yep. like, "Oh, wouldn't we cool if we had those?" And then we got them. So maybe, maybe they're coming. Maybe right. They're coming. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's a. I think that's a great shout. Um, I would love to see. I think we talked a little bit about uh, this idea on our Discord uh, earlier this week, and one of them was like, "What if we got to a place where Forge World or the specialty games uh, department was making uh, little additional leaders for each of the bespoke warbands to start mm-hmm. expanding kind of leadership options and and functionality of the bespoke stuff, similar to how Necromunda gets." you know, gang leaders or the gang uh, hanger ons and that sort of stuff or bounty hunters and stuff like mercenaries uh, more. And and maybe leader isn't the option necessary. Like that's, that's what we think about because of the compendium is we think, Oh, there's a lot of leader options. What if it was just other like mercenary options um, that came with their, a special rule that was similar in, in weight or power to a leader and they could be within a grand alliance or they could be within a specific faction. Um, and they could, we could start getting like different thralls uh, for order, right. Or mm-hmm. uh, that, or th- monsters that weren't mounted, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, things like that, that could be, um, could be really cool. Yeah. Um, no, I think that would diversify, especially for order and destruction who have very limited monster accessibility. And of course, order has no thralls. So yep. having mercenaries fulfill that role would be, would be awesome. Yeah. Or yeah. something like that. I um, think that's, I think it's a good idea and I think it's a mighty need, but I don't know that forge world is the option because right. like historically like forge world models take longer. They're, they're more difficult to get to. And in their own weird way, they just reinforce 3D printing or, um, you know, a, a delay is, in if they're good or not. Or by the time you get your model because you ordered it from across the pond, it takes, you know, the meta might have shifted if you're playing it for an event. Uh, if you, I don't know. I just I just would rather rather have our models be plastic and oh, believe, just be awesome stuff that we me, get in Maine. Uh, either the, I would love them in plastic uh, or I mean, I would convert 
the models out of plastic for whatever the forge world model was. However, <laughs> I, 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 I you? don't. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Man. I can't. I can't explain any other way, though, how they're coming out with Necromunda models the way that they have been, and it's not yeah. profitable for them. Yeah, well, like, and the support is awesome. I mean, they're they're great. Yeah. They're great models, and and you can add them to any warband, so it's it's perfect. Mm-hmm. So, I think that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think we need to get into the Chodek catacombs. Um, get down in the in, there. in the hollow roots. And yeah, whatever. Yeah, that would be cool too to kind of integrate the space between you know Underworlds and Warcry at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I guess if if there were if I were to kind of um, wishful thinking would be for them to take some of the Toma Champions things that they tried and and really dig into them like like um, uh, uh, a siege right mm-hmm. the siege battle that we got in Toma Champions. Uh, was a little bit light, and uh, you know, I don't, I haven't played the siege stuff from this last warband tome. Um, uh, Blood hunt. hunt, yeah. Um, but I, I hope, and maybe I shouldn't say this without having played that. So that should probably be my next thing is to play that. Looks better. Um, uh, would be to be like really dig into how these types of games play. Uh. And and go from like prototype or draft into um, something that's very thought out and, and even maybe it's similar to catacombs is its own like board and gameplay and setup that that sieges are its own kind of uh, mega battle or mm-hmm. you know that sort of setup like yeah. expand it so that stuff that's more specific to league play yeah yeah we should we should really try out the new stuff on blood hunt I think you would like it yeah yeah yeah. Um, and to, just to add to that, you know, one of the things I was thinking would be nice, you know, I was kind of hoping that we'd seen a new Toma Champions is the challenge battles. A lot of them can port right over, you know, if you ignore the, you know, you need this many territories or whatever else. But I, I thought the challenge battles were a really nice, like narrative break from your campaign quests or, you know, now that our campaign or quests are shorter and more discreet anyway, you could do. Hey, I'm going to do this challenge battle next, and we can, you know, do this use side quests essentially, and then come back to the main quest. So I think reintroducing that to a lot of yeah. people who don't have the older Toma champions would be a really nice addition to the narrative uh, pool that we have. Yeah. Um, what about a reimagining of how monster, what role monsters play in the game, like? more like terrain features or more like, like how they are as a boss battle Um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, that maybe they affect having a monster on the table has a like board effect more than it has a attack enemy models effect or something like that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's tricky. Well, you, I think that'd be a neat idea. It'd be really tricky to go through uh, because you see it in some of the other games where you have, like the Demon Prince, right? His main goal in a Chaos Space Marine army or in a Demon's army for 40k is to buff, right? He's a good, he's a better buffer and occasional attacker. And it's, it would, it's just harder to pull some of that stuff off with your, your big monster when he's supposed to be fighting and he's so many points um, in Warcry. So I think he's got to maintain his combatant status, but. I think, you know, I think it's something that could be reworked and relooked at. Yeah, I need more of that. Um, I like my monsters. 
<laughs> yeah. I like the I like the uh He's so short. He's so short. The idea of most monsters are best had on a wrap. Right? You you cook them up, you eat them. Speaking of, uh any last thoughts while we wrap it up? <laughs> no. No. Um <laughs> I think this We've had a lot of really hot takes like a monster burrito. Nice. And uh, I thought if you wanted to uh, to wrap it up, we could. No, I got it. Um, we've done a lot of speculation. We have we have hot taked the hottest of takes. Spicy. Uh, with the hottest of dogs of Warcry. Oh yeah. There there are, uh, minus the ones who aren't here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think we've had some good hot takes. Um, I think it's been really awesome. And now that we've talked about all that and how the next expansion's going to be. And our, our pipeline. Uh, any closing thoughts on monsters, burritos, or otherwise? Josh, we'll start with you. Looking forward to seeing what we get. I'm just excited that they have more planned. I've really enjoyed oh. uh, this arc, mm-hmm. um, this season of Warcry. It was fantastic to, to um, kind of inject some life into the community. Um, and I feel like whatever comes next, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm excited for it. I think they did a great job with this. Yeah. I think it's really, really been very good. Like not to sound like the most generic thing ever, but it's just been good. It's been very fresh. And knowing that they're going to continue to put this kind of effort in, I, I, my expectations are high and I know they're still going to be smashed. Yeah. Right. I'm excited for, of, uh, uh, flesh eater courts. It's hard not to call them feck. Uh, <laughs> the Flesh Eater Courts release is still cool. They have dogs, man. Yeah. And like, I don't think I've ever been even halfway pretending to be excited about some of their stuff. Right. But this is kind of cool. <laughs> and every release comes out and I'm like, this is kind of cool. And even the same two trees in a different form. Mm-hmm. This is kind of cool. Yeah. And I've never had anything less than that for a reaction. And it's always pretty neat. And I, I can't help but look forward to where they're going. Right. Um, be it a monster burrito injected with the hottest of takes from Dogs of War Cry, or Only way to a new it. quest for all of us questing dogs. Uh, if you're interested in following us more, or, or or jumping in and giving us your own hot takes, uh, feel free to hit us up on our Discord, which is themortalrealms.com slash Discord, or you can find me on D-O-W-Vint uh, on Twitter, and Josh, where can they find you? At J.E. Arrington at Twitter. Or, of course, you can reach us at dogsofwarcry at gmail.com. You can find me. All right. And Eric, for you? You can find me at Stomach Gamer on Twitter, uh, but more often on the Discord and sometimes uh, at the Dogs of Warcry TikTok. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Ooh, I do like our TikTok. It is pretty great. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks for coming out. And we will check you next time. It's time to put a muzzle on this episode. If it was a good, good dog, support the show with a positive review on iTunes, sharing it with friends, joining us for hobby discussions at themotorrealms.com forward slash discord, or leave a tip at themotorrealms.com forward slash Patreon. More content is available at themotorrealms.com and on Twitter at Dogs of Warcry. Welcome to Midwest, I'm Bruce, this is Narrative, this is a podcast, you'll have a fun life, I'll be in the fall, we can't show false dice, don't go low in this one, never gonna go, no, to the dogs of Warcry.